You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. That's how podcasts go, huh? That's the whole podcast. Have you not listened to a single episode? Yeah. Dude, it's the oh. yell cast. <laughs> Basically, this is a form of therapy where I just come into a room and I scream at Gordo through the glass. And I mean just scream at him through the glass, like spitting on the glass. We have someone that comes in and cleans the glass every week so that it... it like, because Gordo would get depressed if it was just, like, episode after episode of just spit spatters. It, it matters to me Go not. Up. I'm behind glass. <laughs> I'm protected. Well, yeah, but You can have a full-on freak attack, and it won't bother me one bit. It's kind of like it's kind of like you look at your sliding glass door, and you see where your dog has been jumping up on the glass over and over and over and over again. Actually, we have cat boogers on our glass. Do you have cat boogers on your glass at home, Gordo? Yeah. Do you? Absolutely. And, like, they, they slobber a little, too. Oh, they do. Because they see lots of birds, and they just do that yeah, that thing. <laughs> you know, like, they, they, they really freak out on the birds. Yeah, man. They think they can catch the birds. Yeah, man. No, our cats can't even catch flies. I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, mine are okay at catching bugs. They really want to get that mama squirrel that comes into the yard. And she's gotten to the point where she's, like, she's aggressive, man. She's, like, you're not going to do anything, you stupid bald house cats. Like out in the wild, you got a hairless, huh? Oh yeah, we got yeah. two. We got okay. two Sphinx cats, man. <laughs> Welcome to episode seventy nine of the motherfucking podcast. This is, of course, the official podcast of the International Power Rock Combo, motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. The rat in Colorado, the rat in uh, this is going to be a fun episode for a variety of reasons. Oh, by the way. Right on. Yeah, right on. For a variety of reasons. Uh, first of all, I'm your host, Aaron Howell. And back in the studio this week, I'm very excited to see Gordo, Gordo Steen, Gordel, Gordo, Gordo, Gordo. My man, Gordon Leadfoot, back there behind the glass. Gordopolis checking in. Yeah. Dude, it's good to have you back, Gordo. Thank you. It's good to be back. Like, I'm not, I'm not being hyperbolic. I legitimately missed you while you were gone. Like, Ethan is a really good producer on the board. Shout out to Ethan Kotel. Yeah, those th- th- that pod in particular sounds really good. Yeah, I know. Really he, good. He he turned on like windows that I didn't know existed with like graphs and waveforms and stuff, and said like nerdy technological audio file things that made him sound very smart. But um, but I don't I don't think he knew what was was an appropriate level of uh, what do you call it um, commentary. 
and he did almost none until after the break when I was like, you can, you can interject. He didn't do the pop in. No, you got to have the pop in. Like it's it's so important, and you're so good at the pop in. And then the next week, you know, I mean, and both episodes went really well. They were super fun. They were great conversations. But like, I I, I need you here to bounce ideas off of and like to look to when I say something that like might make the yeah. Like that. Look, yeah, exactly. For those of you listening, Gordo is doing a variety of gestures, like flipping me off and shrugging and stroking his beard thoughtfully. I'm making my own emoticons. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing. If you don't have, if you don't have a producer who's in there emoting in real time when you say things, how are you to know if you've like gone over the edge? Because this is the edge pod, man. This is an edgy podcast. We talk about some edgy things here. We go out We go out on the brink. We go out on the edge and we peer over and we look down and we go, you know what, I'm going to take a leak off the edge here. Because piss on the edge. Piss on the abyss. That's what I say. Piss on the abyss? Is that the next MF record? Yeah, piss on the abyss. That's actually a really good song title name. Called it. Called it. Someone's going to beat me to it. I won't steal it. So, welcome Gordo back to the show. Uh, we're going to talk about Gordo's tour a little bit as we get into the pod. But first, I want to introduce my guest for this episode. Uh, you've seen uh, some of his work on um, on our content. Uh, he did the original motion comic for Chapter 1 of The Front Lines of Good Times. Uh, he's also uh, been in the process of trying to do an animated music video for us, but um, that's a that's a hefty hefty meatball right there. It's an involved process, it's I'm a, sure. It's a very a involved of, process. A lot of stuff goes to the shelf. Yeah. It'll sit in the shelf for a while until it comes back out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a project on the shelf. I mean, we have characters. You may have seen like the the little ant figures that uh, Jamie made for us. You've probably also seen J- seen Jamie's work if you've watched anything the Nug Nation has put out in the last few years, right? Oh, three, four years. Yeah, yeah, you did the Billy Ray Cyrus video. You did uh, Chieftains. You did the Chieftain stuff. You did. Did you do any of the potty talks, or was that all? Oh uh, yeah, Mikey I did the. Uh, I did the uh, Afro Man was the first one. Yeah. Oh, you did the Afro yeah. Man one, and uh, you're doing other projects for us here over at the Nug Nation, yeah. and uh, also all your own stuff. Please welcome to the show a very talented animator, artist, creator, um, and uh, master of homemade props. Like, dude, you make a lot of really cool homemade stuff. Please welcome to the show, my friend, Jamie Jorgensen. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Yeah. yeah thanks. Man. Thanks for coming on the show. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we've been talking about it for a while. And now we, it's we like, have. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Ha- and execute. also, happy Veterans Day, yeah, thank man. You. Thank you. You were in the Navy? Navy. Did five the, years. Five years in the Navy. What was yeah. your specialty? What did you do? Worked on uh, the F-18 ejection seats. Uh, what ECS stuff? Yeah, air, wow. air conditioning, the comfort level stuff. Oh, okay. E- <laughs> ejection. So ejection seats and air conditioning. That was right. your department. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever mix up the two? Like somebody goes to adjust the AC and just gets <laughs> just launched goes. out of a plane. Nope. Or somebody gets to go launch out of a plane and like 
Instead, they just get a like very gentle breeze. Like there's like there's like a a rocket coming at their plane, and they're like, "I better get out of here!" And instead, it's just instead of it's a it's a bun warmer. Yeah, a bun warmer effect. <laughs> right. Oh, I didn't eject. My my ass is really warm though. <laughs> I had a friend who uh, who had never ridden in a car with heated seats before, and he got a ride home from this girl. And uh, and she had a really nice car with 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 the heat, heated leather seats, and when the seat warmers came on, he thought he shit himself, <laughs> and he <laughs> he apologized. He's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I just shit myself in your car." And she's like, "What?" And he's like, "Oh, never mind. That's the seat warmers. Like, keep them bones warm." Well, here's my question: If you Feel your butt cheeks getting warm, but you don't feel your sphincter dilate. Like if your if your clue, if your first clue that you've shit yourself is that your butt cheeks get warm, like what does that say about like the pathological condition of your ass? Like what is that? Like does do you have says nerve? That you're, I think it says that you're numbed out. Like you have a little bit. You have nerve damage in your colon. Like you had a you had a donor colon grafted on at a young age. Yeah, you might have uh, insensitive rafi. <laughs> What's uh, insensitive rafi? Uh, that that rafi that that little uh, that little part that's between your your bunghole and your ball sack. I thought rafi oh, was that guy. Gooch. I thought rafi was the guy who did all the children's songs. Like that too, you know. Rafi didn't he have that album with the song like, like uh, what is it? The the down by the bay where the watermelons grow. Back to my home. That's Rafi, right? I don't know. I thought Rafi was like what all those new agers did when you've like when your chakras are out of alignment and you go and and like you get a massage, but they never touch you. They just kind of move. They they work on your Reiki energy. Oh, Reiki. <laughs> no, Reiki is when they actually touch you and they make their fingers into little rakes and they go <laughs> up and down your back and it makes you feel like a pile of leaves and um, that's supposed to connect you with nature somehow. I think that's what Reiki is. Okay. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I'm not going to argue with you. I, look it I, you up. Know, I, I can't look it up. really. I can't <laughs> Google really. that real quick. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, happy Veterans Day. On that note, uh, talking about Reiki and, and Rafi. Um, so uh, five years in the Navy. How long ago was that? Uh, almost 10 years. Did you ever so, see? 2019. Did you, did you ever hurt. see any shit? A lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like it's the. Physical shit or. <laughs> like actual shit, yeah. Yeah, we've seen. Plenty of people shit themselves. Uh, did you see? But did but no, I never had no any combat experience. or anything. Uh, no, I mean we did the squadron I was at, uh, fist of the fleet. You know, um, their maiden uh, deployment with uh, the Reagan. Uh, they actually had a jet uh, hit the round down when it was coming in for a landing, and just uh, skidded off off the deck. Um, went into the drink. He punched out. That was and, like the uh, most exciting thing that happened on the boat that you were on. Well, that was uh, before I came in, but uh, I did see the video, and uh, <laughs> you can't find it anymore. Like you find the video, but you can't find the audio anymore because uh, the the, uh, uh, the audio was pretty uh, 
pretty gruesome. What, what, what was on the audio? <laughs> yeah, the guy was just, you know, he's like, uh, you know, power up, power up, Jesus Christ, you know, and guy just kind of just skids out. and Did he survive? Yeah. Oh, okay. I can't remember who he was, but yeah, he, he somehow uh, got the tail hook, took it home. I don't know how he. So was that able was to the. That, did but. he get a purple heart? No, no. Is that the closest thing you guys had to like, like a casualty on your boat? Uh, yeah, probably. Dude, I have a lot of friends who who enlisted in the navy, and I please, uh, I don't want to get my ass kicked by a bunch of sailors, but. I, I just want to say that, like, my friends who have gone into the Navy, it's like, it seems kind of like a loophole. It's like, see, I can have my cake and I can eat it, too. Because it's like I can go and be like, I'm, I'm doing, my, doing my service to my country, but I don't want to get shot at. Yeah. Is that a fair? Like, was that I mean, a consideration when you went into the Navy? Uh, kind of. I mean, I went in. Like, I first started, I went to go to the Marines, and then I was just too honest. I said I smoked pot. And that kept you out of the Marines? Yeah. Uh, he didn't want to He didn't want to hear it. And then I, I walked over and talked to the Air Force. They said the same thing. And then Potheads they, don't make very good murderers. And then I, uh, yeah, Navy was like, come on over. I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I knew a lot of people that had uh, like pages of waivers that they were just like, yeah, okay, but don't do it again. My dad was <laughs> in the Air Force. Like he, he saw his draft number coming up. And and it was like a really low draft number, so he knew he was going to be drafted. And he had he had family that was in the Air Force, and he goes, "Okay, I think I can do that. I think I can go, you know, get in the Air Force, get myself a good job. You know, maybe I'll try and be like a, a dentist or something like that." And so, like, he had this recruiter that like was like, "Oh yeah, you know, you want to be a dentist? We'll get you in the dental program. It'll be great, and 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 we'll put you wherever we want." And so my dad signed up. And then the first day of uh, orientation, you know, whatever they call it, I don't know, where, where, they, where they bring you in and they've got you all sitting down. And uh, they had some guy come out and, and said, uh, said, okay, now, how many of you were promised a job by your recruiter? And it was <laughs> like him and a couple other guys. And then, and then the, uh, the guy goes, now, how many of you have it in writing? And then they both put their hands down, and they were like, all right, sit the fuck down. We'll put you wherever we want. Yeah. There's a lot of people that do that, too, and, like, you kind of get screwed because they make it sound like it's this great deal. Like, oh, you know, you get to bounce around the Navy until you find that perfect job. No. No? No, you uh, kind of get screwed. You get to do all the the bullshit, you know, scrubbing the brass or— What kind of bullshit did you have to do in the Navy? Oh, me? I mean, I— I mean, before they finally put me in my shop, I was, you know, out on the flight line uh, as, a, as a plane captain, which uh, for a while it was all right, you know. I mean, I got to a point where I was a senior level, so they just kept going, hey, Jorgensen, you're going to, you want to go to Key West or, you know, we're going, going on this debt. And you're like, all right, yeah, it's money. And you get to, you get to leave base. and That's really cool. You know, so what, did, the, what did that job entail then? So a lot of it's just uh, making sure getting the jets ready for the pilots. Um, setting up their jet, and then when they come out, you get them like in. Like putting potpourri in them, or like, you know, <laughs> like, like uh, making just, sure they're like the radio stations are all preset oh, to yeah, what they yeah. like. Or? You got to make sure the the keys are in the the skipper's jet, the flight line. Go get a hundred uh, yards of flight line, all that good stuff. No, it's cool. Go uh, go, go, <laughs> go detail it. 
Yep, no, nope, that was plenty of washing. That shit sucked. Make uh, sure you got plenty of little little pine tree, little air fresheners in the in the jets. No, I assume it's like maintenance stuff. Like you had to do kind of like the pre pre flight maintenance. Yeah, so we were kind of just make you know we didn't really do any of the maintenance and as a plane captain, uh, we did you know a lot of the like post uh, post flight and pre flight uh, lookovers. So we'd make sure the jet was cool to go, you know, and right. if, if you found something, you'd, you'd bring it up. Maintenance would be like, oh, okay, it's cool, it's documented, or it's, you know, it's fixed, or we'll send a shop out there to take a look at it. And, uh, but yeah, most of the time it was just, you know, get the, the, the pilot in there, do all the high-end signals, set them up, right. wave them off. He goes out for an hour, hour and a half, depending on, you know, what his mission is. And they'd come back, you'd catch him, shut him down, and... That was about it. I mean, it, was, it wasn't too bad. Um, I think it was it was more fun once uh, you know I got to the shop because then that was actually the stuff I. So that do. that's when you started working on like the ejection seats and the yeah. AC. Yeah. So how did you come to get into that job? They just put you there and then taught it to you, or you had an acumen for? Yeah, kind of, I mean, I machines. you know I went in, I went in, and they were like, "What do you want to do?" And I I said, "Well, photography sounds fun. You know, let's." let's be you military know, photographer yeah no i mean and, they, and they'll get to do some cool stuff but they're like yeah good luck yeah yeah what else do you like and it was like well, i want to be know. the tuba player <laughs> yeah. can i be the tuba player in the navy band but like shit like that right yeah, yeah. and they have that you know but there's not a ton of tuba player positions probably not and there's not a ton of photographer <laughs> <laughs> no, i mean yeah the photography is pretty locked down you can't you know it's it's a it's a sought after one and you know they don't leave. It's like you see uh, Full Metal Jacket, and Joker. Joker. Joker ends up being uh, like a, a, a journalist. War- he ends up being a journalist. Like he's like he's like a, a like a marine correspondent. Right. And his job is to go around and report on stuff. And like that's like what he applied for. And he's like that like when what's his name the Arlie Ermey's character is going around you know like motor pool infantry like yelling all this stuff he's, yeah, he's like, like bullshit he's like basic <laughs> journalism what the fuck you're not a writer you're yeah. a killer that whole thing like and then he's like sir I wrote for my high school newspaper sir it's like really that's what qualifies you to like like get that job because that sounds like a fairly cushy job yeah and I mean, even like, even uh, I kind of got lucky. I mean, there were some some jobs out there that really, uh, you know, they were just constantly working. You know, I mean, it's you know, with the ejection seat, it's, it's like that thing has to work. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're not sitting there doing, you know, constant checks or maintenance on it. You have your your certain periodic tests. You know, your your hourly tests that you'd have to come across. But for the most part, we'd be they're good to go. And uh, you know, unless you know, we do our daily checks just to make sure. You know, certain certain things are good to go, and then we sign off on that. Uh, so, but, did you have to like test a lot of ejection equipment? Um, you know, we do it like manually. Uh, so, 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 you know, when, once uh, like uh, let's just say I can't remember what like four hundred hour I think it was. Um, that would basically that's entitle, four o'clock, right? <laughs> no, the four hundred hours like four hundred hours of of flight time. Oh, uh, so if, if say you're coming up on that, which you know that's that's a good. You know, a few years. Uh, a lot of these jets, you know, they they go out a couple times, you know, a couple hours a day, if that, or you know, depending on their maintenance. So when you get across to the say the four hundred hour, uh, a lot of that means you're pulling out the entire seat, you're taking out the explosives, you're either you know, oh, replacing them, replacing like. the explosives just so that uh, you know, if the, if the time that does come, it it goes off. So uh, what happened? What happens to the old parts then? The old ejection seats. Um. 
I had a few pieces, but a lot of that stuff, you know, you just you send back or you never like brought any back with you to like use at a party for like a no. like a prank or anything like that. No, <laughs> like you could retrofit it on a lazy boy or something. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> Dude, I had a friend. Well, we had some old old school, uh, you know, I had some uh, old school first classes, though, that, uh, you know, back in the old Navy days, you know, you'd be sitting there, everybody would smoke cigarettes in the shops or, you know, you know, no women on the boats and that kind of stuff. Uh, they would, they would do, they would pull uh, pranks on that kind of stuff. And they had one seat in, in the shop and they put up a dummy in there. And I guess one of their chiefs or somebody came in and just went off on this dummy. And like you know, he didn't realize you know. I mean, it was just dummy, but like you know, he's just he's just blowing a, a blood blister in his head, just you know, going off on this guy, and it was just a you know these silly jokes. You know, can't do that much of that anymore. I did. I did have a buddy who um, he was a he was an auto mechanic, and he thought it would be funny to rig up an airbag underneath a couch cushion. And then, like, run wires back behind the couch to a car battery so that he could blow up the... Um, Victim. We, yeah, whoever <laughs> sat down, he could, like, like blow off a fucking airbag and send someone flying across the room. And fortunately, it never worked. But just, like, if it had, I wonder if I would today, like, have something on my record as being, like, an accessory to murder by like being in the room when somebody was like put through the ceiling or some of those are violent. Yeah, I've dude, seen some on like YouTube where they're just like they just get like how do they bend that way and then they're through the ceiling or thrown across the room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those things, like dude, those are some pretty gnarly explosions. Oh, another time um, in your cranium, dude. Logan convinced me one time that airbags were made of concrete. Did I ever tell you that? What? <laughs> okay. So we're on tour one time, and we're somehow talking about airbags. And Logan just kind of casually goes, goes, oh, those big inflatable bags, you know, those big, like, fluffy ones, those big soft airbags, those are just in the movies. He goes, real airbags are made of concrete, and they get really close to your face and keep you from going through the windshield. And in my head, I was thinking it was like some sort of mesh, like some sort of concrete and like like Kevlar mesh or something like that. I was and and I said out loud, "Oh, I see how that could work." And Logan goes, "That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. Of course, airbags aren't made of concrete." But Logan also um, thought that. Uh, thought that you could be electrocuted by a toaster dropped in a bathtub that wasn't plugged in. <laughs> that wasn't plugged That was in. not plugged in. We were talking about, I had this idea for a, um, a, a band photo inside an album where, like, we're all sitting around in this room and it's like a salon of, like, Victorian debutantes or like duchesses and they're all sitting around in like their big dresses and like fanning themselves and they're all like laughing and gossiping and having fun together and like like just like like you know big like fake beauty marks and like pasty skin and stuff just like just about like that and then the five of us would be sitting around the room in various stages of 
suicide. Like, and I was like, like, we can have one guy who's like about to cut his wrist. We can have one guy who's like loading bullets into a gun. We can have one guy who's like tying a noose. And then I was like, then we can have one guy who's just sitting in a tub with a toaster. And Logan was like, well, yeah, but you'd have to be really careful not to drop it. (laughs) And I was like, well, we wouldn't plug it in. And he goes, I don't think that makes a difference, does it? Coils (laughs) preloaded. It's like, yeah, you got to watch out for those battery-powered toasters, man. Oh, boy. Yeah. Anyway. That was a major plot line of, like, (laughs) this show I just watched not too long ago, uh, Goliath. I don't know if you watched it. I'm familiar with it. Billy Billy Bob Bob Thornton. Thornton, yeah. Season three, like one of the major things that uh, <laughs> that the uh, the bad guys do is they 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 have toast in the bath. <laughs> oh, like they're willing to take that risk. It's like yeah, it's just like a little fun game between like, siblings, like which we, is even weirder. Like we make toast in the bathtub just to show that we're not afraid to make toast in the bathtub. That's just like, look how crazy we are. Living on the edge. pretty bizarre. Yeah. We also, <laughs> we also drive with a removable steering wheel, and sometimes we pass it back and forth to each other and see how long we can go without getting scared. Sometimes Mad we go... Max style. Sometimes we like to go to the, the old McAllister house up the street that's rumored to be haunted, and we'll spend a whole night there. And whoever turns the lights on and calls Mom to come pick them up loses and is a sissy. Sometimes I drink Kool-Aid without sugar. What? <laughs> that's the way the cowboys used to drink Kool-Aid, without sugar, because there was a sugar shortage in... Um, in the 1800s. Yeah, they just had it with peyote. <laughs> they had it with tobacco. They had it with tobacco and engine blood. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, ejection seats. You worked on ejection seats in the Navy. We're back to the ejection seats now. <laughs> did you ever... Um, did you ever have, like, did anyone have occasion to use any of the seats that you worked on at all in the entire time that you were in the Navy? Meaning, like, to... Did anybody ever have to, like, pull, out? pull no. the rip? No, nobody no. ever had to pull out. No. The whole time um, you were there. No, most of the time we'd, uh, you know, since we also did uh, the breathable oxygen and the, um, basically, uh, the, the air conditioning, heating... So uh, a lot like, of that stuff was most of the stuff we'd have to be working on. Uh, you'd be replacing that stuff on. You the just maintenance and replace that stuff all day long. Yeah, on a weekly basis. Did you have fun in yeah. the navy? Oh yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, there was plenty of times. Uh, it was just you know a lot of just uh, grab assing and you know making your, mean, making your way through the through the six month deployment or with those uniforms. <laughs> I mean, how could you not be grab assing? Oh yeah. Like I, the 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 navy dress uniform is very ass grabbable. The whites. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's skin tight. Like everybody looks like they have a good butt in those things. Like every picture I've ever seen of like like my uncle was in the navy. Logan's brother was in the navy. Fonz was in the navy. Jamie was in the navy. Like every Randy. Randy was, Randy in, the navy, was yeah. in the navy. Every picture I've seen, I definitely think. Navy guys, I'm going to go out and say this. I think <laughs> Navy guys are the most handsome branch of the military. Like, I think they are the eye candy of the military. 
Like every, even not in the whites. Like anytime, it's always like someone who's got their hat like partially tilted up and they're like out on a flight deck somewhere like holding the clipboard or like working on a piece of equipment or like leaning on some, you know, giant gun on the ship. For some reason, I, like, I I always like associate cigar smoking too. Oh, with, cigar with smoking for like, sure. I don't know why. Maybe that's just, yeah. that, that's probably some movie bullshit. And giant up. biceps with ships on them. <laughs> like, no, there, there's like... There's the yeah. Do you have any naval tattoos? I just got the my uh, my pinup girl. Then uh, nothing really official. Did you ever? Did you ever go? This is my girl back home. I can't can't <laughs> no, wait I to get it. back to Rita back home. She's I got it waiting afterwards. for me. I was too. Uh, everybody, they were you know, uh, kind of getting into the whole more presentable navy. All right. You know, you weren't allowed to do. You know, look like this. Uh, we're gonna open foul, a candy store drinking. when I get back. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah, gonna you, open. You can you you can maybe some smoke some pot, but you can't have any tattoos. She's my best goyle. <laughs> no, dude. The 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 pot is completely off the table. And like people, oh, I, my my, my uh, uh, recruiter actually. Um, one of them, because I think at the at the recruiting station there was like three of them, and I remember uh, running into my actual recruiter, which everybody's like, "Man, if you ever saw your recruiter, would you, you know, beat his ass for lying to you?" And I was like, eh, "Mine was actually pretty truthful," uh, but yeah, he was telling me I was like, "Hey, I was this one guy who was just this gung ho, you know, PT Nazi, just always running, you know, fit guy," and uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, he got kicked out for coke." Uh, you know, That's so it's great. like it's pretty Yowch. crazy. So he got kicked wow. out for that Colombian marching powder. <laughs> That's okay for the Colombian Navy, but not for the United States Navy. You say, you, "Hey, boss, it's 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 just uh, my waking powder." You gotta snort that Magic United States marching powder. That good old fashioned American mark. What would be a, okay? So if cocaine is Colombian marching powder, <clears throat> what is American marching powder? Adderall. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Only if you snort it. Yeah. Fentanyl? I think, I think I think Adderall comes in pretty Adderall. close. Methamphetamine's Second. a big one. We're big on the meth here. Meth is like the, the hillbilly cocaine. That's, that's kind of our thing, man. Like, we didn't invent it, but we definitely, like, made it awesome, as awesome as meth can be. Like, I wonder if we are known for having the best meth on the planet. <laughs> blue dude the blue actually no you know who's really I, i'll bet the british have us beat i'll bet the british and the germans have us beat why because they have bad teeth <laughs> <laughs> no and the germans don't they, be, be, well because i think crystal meth as we know it i think it originated in germany did it not I think so, from what I understand. Because it was like a Nazi war drug. Well, they had, yeah, I can't remember what they, they called it, but the, the tank, the chocolate bars that were like standard issue. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they, yeah, they had something like that. Do you know Hitler like, took yeah. like four baths machine. a day? Do you know Hitler took four baths a day? Isn't that crazy? Like, just like, like in terms of like, he was like a, like a germaphobe. You know what I mean? He was very, he was a very orderly man. Like he was very, like... I think now we was would German, call it. German phobe. He was a German. German. <laughs> yeah, he was. That, Only that, certain. Did, did I hear that correctly? He was, he was definitely a German phobe. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, man. But he also. Um, That's a lot of exfoliation. So he used to 
uh, he used to take bull cum. Like he used to take bull. His, his physician to, was a nutcase. Well, dude, he took bull cum supplements. And do you know why he took bull cum supplements? Do you know what is in bull cum? A little substance called taurine, T-A-U-R-I-N-E. Red balls. Which is also (laughs) the active ingredient in Red Bull, which didn't make sense. But now that I know that they called that product Red Bull because it's got an extract of bull cum in it, I just, like, find that company so cheeky and hilarious now. Like, they are a multinational, like, beverage distributor. Like, they're, they're huge. They're one of the the biggest. The sport. only the only time I've ever actually had Red Bull is on tour, like a couple of tours ago, and I I tried it for one night when I was just completely exhausted. And we had a show to play, yeah, and and it and it, it worked, but I would never do it again. I don't mess with it, man. I don't mess with it, and I don't mess with it because of one show when I was a teenager. All the warnings I got about every other drug and alcohol and every other thing that I was fucking with my whole life. But we played a show in, like, Palisade, Colorado, outside of Grand Junction with Clusterfucks back in, like, the early 2000s. And Josh Lent from Clusterfucks, who we've had on the show, front of the show, shout out to Josh Lent from Clusterfucks and Chain Reaction Records, he... Uh, he saw that I was drinking a Red Bull, and he's like, oh, dude, that's got taurine in it. That'll make your fucking heart explode. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to drink Red Bull anymore. And then, like, I ne- like I just never fucked around with it. I did, and this was before I did cocaine for the first time. So, like, I started doing cocaine after I was, uh, an older guy said, oh, you shouldn't do that because it'll make your heart explode. Excuse me, do you have anything safer than Red Bull? Here's some oh, cocaine. Okay. Okay, this cocaine sounds good. Okay. No, but that that's funny to me because it's like, like okay, Taurus, the bull. That's like where Taurus comes from, the bull. Taurine, named after the, like the animal's balls that it comes from. Taurine. Also, yeah. So how do, how do they extract that? Do they just got to... Bulges. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, they got a factory of them just really quiet. milked up. <laughs> You have to be really quiet. You have to be really sneaky, and you have to say shh, like over and over again. And generally, they'll be like, and you just like go, "I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you." Like, do you? Okay, now this is the question. So, I assume that non-ethically sourced taurine comes from just like cutting the bull's balls off and just taking them. But I'll bet like. Organic farms where it's like <laughs> ethically sourced taurine. I'll bet like like no animals were harmed, but I'll bet some animals were handled in certain ways. I'll bet you like they only extract it in a way that is pleasurable for the. There's bull. a vast difference it's between like a... both methods. <laughs> <laughs> neat dad, neat dad. <laughs> that was a knee slapper, dad. Yeah, man. Uh, don't mess around with that Red Bull, dude. Don't mess around with the taurine. So, okay. So, Jamie, um, I, I got to know, did, were you making art at the time that you went into the Navy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You were, you would, have you been yeah. doing that your entire life? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, uh, as soon as I got done with the high school, it was like, wanted to go to school, you know, uh, animation so the na- school. So, the Navy paid for that? Yeah, portion of it, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, I uh, got accepted to the school and came home. My dad's like, all right, cool. How are you going to pay for it? Right. And I was just kind of, you know, getting tired of fucking around, you know, staying up late, doing nothing, no money, no, you know, no purpose, direction. no direction. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of like, um, well, fuck it. Let's do this. Cool, man. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's go try something. So, so you know, what? It was kinda, what it was what were you scary. primarily making in high school? Um, I got silly, just dumb work. I mean, it's kind of funny to look at your. Were you animating stuff back no, then, or you're just drawing no, stuff? I didn't even really dabble in that. Uh, I just kind of like always liked uh, the old school Disney stuff, and uh, yeah, and then I just kind of just you know doing a lot of hand drawn, you know, silly Ren and Stippy type artwork. Right, and then uh, I think you know I was just like, yeah, I want to do that, and then kind of didn't know what to expect when I got in, and it was just like, nah, I don't really like drawing that much, and, you know. And then that's kind of where I took to stop motion, right? Um, just it's more fun to kind of have something tangible right there in, in front of you, and just the textures and all that kind of stuff is just a little bit more. Ren and Stimpy is a is a good is a good reference point because I remember when Mike first showed me an animatic that you made for us. That was the first thing I thought of is that it it has that like like Ren and Stimpy, and then there's there's other animators that use the same. I, I don't know what you would call the style of art, but it looks like a classic goofy kind of early Disney or early Warner Brothers cartoon, but super twisted. Right. Like, I don't know what you, what, what, like, what would you call that style of drawing? Uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, big bulbous of, noses and just yeah, like. just exaggerated, over-exaggerated. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I always just kind of took to that. Uh, just, it's, you know, a cartoon. It's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. It's not fucking real. It's, car- it's cartoonish. And, and anything within the cartoon is anything goes what was the first what was the first (laughs) animated thing that you ever made um uh, i made like a i think it was a snowman uh it was it was actually a true story a lot of stuff i try to do is a true story about a snowman uh, yeah i mean it was i i incorporated to be a snowman because it was like we uh it was like right before we i left to the navy we had uh frosty under uh, the hat uh, uh 2003 i think it was we had that big storm and there was just so much snow in this parking lot, and they just we just rolled this huge, probably six foot snowball out in this parking lot. And my buddy had this old uh, suburban panel truck, you know, like sixty something, you know, uh, just big old steel beast. And he just backed up and just rammed this thing, just shot snow everywhere. I mean, just annihilated his front end. And I always thought it was kind of funny, so I was like, well, it's, how do we do that to where it's just you know more appealing? So I made it to be where it was uh, frosty, and uh, you know I kind of I brought him to life, and you know he's like, "Hey, I'm alive," and he he realizes his friend was next to him, and they're all like, "Hey, what's up?" And uh, then all of a sudden the um, they realize this car is this big old truck is just barreling them down, and you know they just get that that feeling of uh, we're fucked, you know, like our, we're we're done, we're not going to live, and so Frosty's just sitting there like. He pulls out. Well, the other guy just freaking out. He starts puking. Uh, Frosty pulls out a gun, caps his head off, uh, and then Frosty just kind of like accepts his doom and truck hits, and that was it. <laughs> how, how long was that? Uh, it was, um, I don't know, maybe a minute. So within within a minute, they obtained sentience, and then 
in under a minute of obtaining sentience, Frosty, like, one of them has an existential crisis and, and like, knows about his own impending death and has a, has a major panic attack. And another one completes a mercy killing. Right. And then, and then goes through all the stages of grief and accepts his own death and, and dies an honorable death. That's pretty awesome. Much. Yeah. So, and then I, There's I kinda, so much we I can learn from the snow people, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I've always, I've always uh, tried building stories on, on uh, uh, you know, things I've actually done. Um, you know, I mean, plenty of, plenty of stories in the works that are just kind of waiting to, until I get the funding or the ability to complete it. Uh, but a lot of them are, are you know, have uh, pieces of truth in them. Like, okay, for example, one of the things that you're working on right now is you're working on a Top Gun parody. Tell me about right, that. Right, Tell me about the Top Gun parody. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was when I was, uh, after I graduated, I went to uh, NAS, uh, or not NAS, let's see, where was this? Uh, Ridgecrest. Uh, it's this top secret base out there. I was doing civilian contracting out there in hopes to kind of work over into L.A., but um, out there I was waiting I'd be waiting at the jet, you know, waiting for the pilot to come out, and I'd just be sketching all this stuff. And I drew this this little drawing where it was, you know, these two pilots, and one's holding this little baggie, and he just feel, he's just like, you know, I feel the need, the need for speed, <laughs> and uh, kind of just kind of started from there. And then once the new Maverick came out, and I was kind of analyzing. Has that the hit the theaters yet? June, June this year. June is or when it June comes next out. Year, yeah, and it's supposed to be like. Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise. See, I'm like, we're, fuck, I don't know. Right? Like, apparently, yeah, apparently, um, uh, uh, Val Kilmer's in it, but I know he just. Do you think Anthony Edwards speak? just feels like fucking gypped, dude? He's like, he's like, I only agreed to be killed off in the first one because I thought there was no way there was ever going to be a Some, sequel to this piece of shit. I think shit. he's perfectly okay with it. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I don't know, Anthony have Edwards. You, have you heard it? any of the stories about uh, like how Tom Cruise is kind of a dick? To yeah, all no. The, I, well, I do have. I do, like, I do have. Uh-uh, uh, I do I have a that. story of. Uh, yeah, tell us a, a story. Uh, tell us a story. Story time. <laughs> so I mean, it was uh, one of my uh, good buddies that was in the I was in the Navy with. Uh, you know, Amy, the ejection seat mechanic. Uh, he back uh, when they he was working on the F-14s, which I unfortunately never got to see. Uh, that was a powerhouse of a jet. Uh, but he was in the squadron, basically the, the squadron that they were filming uh, the Top Gun movies on. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah, he said Tom Cruise was just this big dick, you know, like, didn't... didn't I mean, that's uh, no surprise, but, like, right? how... But that was early on in his career. Like, you should be... You'd, you'd figure he'd be a little bit more... I could imagine him being more of a dick when he was younger, because when Tom Cruise was young, young... He was yeah, he's like probably on top shit. You dude, know he mean? was the oh, oh Aaron, you're so glib. You're so glib. <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? I don't know. It was a good Tom Cruise. Look up a Tom Cruise interview with fucking uh who who is it? Uh oh, so shit. glib. I, I can't remember. He's like, Oh, you're so glib. He's talking to him about uh Scientology. And he and he's like, you know, let me ask you a, ask you a question about Scientology and and, and uh it's Matt Lauer. It's Matt Lauer. Oh, oh Matt, you're so glib. I'm so glib. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I remember my my grandma was always like a Tom Cruise fan until he went on Oprah, and uh, she she was like, out. "Oh, he's just that he's a grown man jumping around on the couch like a goddamn child." 
Who does he think he is? I don't like that Tom Cruise. Well, and apparently on this, on the filming of this new one, like he was just as much, if not more, of a dick because there's stories coming out about him, like about uh, you know, like every officer on the ship like couldn't look him in the eye. Oh yeah, like, yeah and like all that, that all that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like that's crazy. There it's are like, multiple. What the fuck is that about? There are like, multiple celebrities who have that. Um, is that oh, is that just part of his method? I, I don't know. Probably, yeah. I don't know, dude. Like, um, like Jerry got to go see Lauren Hill at Red Rocks, and Lauren Hill is it takes diva to a new level. Like she I can only imagine. Like she, you were required to refer to her as Miss <laughs> Lauren Hill. Like the eye contact rule is there. There was there were some other things too, but I've like like I've heard the eye contact rule around celebrity a lot and that I really won- blows my fucking mind dude man. i wonder i wonder if there's a good reason for it that we as peasants are just not aware of like i, I wonder I figure if there's gotta be right? like it's gotta like like does it disrupt your focus to like like does it take you mm. out of your your zone to connect with another human being who is below your station i don't know you've ever heard that christian bale rant yeah, we, oh, dude. Right, guys, oh, yeah. He's I a mean, li- that's fucking in, out there. He's a little intense. I love that it was on the set of Terminator as well. He was he was terminating. Yeah, yeah, man. But I mean, like, you're making... Like, if I got to go on the set of Terminator and be a fucking grip, you know, if I got to do the catering on that, I would be like, dude, doing a fucking Terminator movie, bro! Like, this is gonna be the most fun shit been ever. the last fucking job you ever had on a movie set, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I know, right? Christian Bale, hey man! Oh, so so wait, what was what was the story behind his rant? He just got mad at a production assistant or something like that? I honestly don't the, know. Oh, the, good for you! Oh, that. that's good! Oh, that's good! Good for you! <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know. There's a, there's that whole rant, and I think what happened is, like, while he was filming a scene, he did something to distract him. Right. Like, you know, I don't know if it was <laughs> make eye contact or, like, yeah. or if he, like, you know, got a phone call. I don't know what the fuck it was. Dude, it's like, it's like, man, I don't, I, there was a period of time where I was at a cross lo- crossroads in my life where I had to make the decision between continuing to play in a band with my friends and stay in Denver or move to Southern California where I could pick up gigs from these, like, agents that I hooked up with. Like, I did this total fucking rip-off talent show scam thing. But you do come out of it with, it with like, like actual business cards for agents and stuff like that. And so I, I had representation for a very brief time. And so I had to make this, this choice. And I chose, I think I chose wisely. I've always wondered, but I think I chose wisely by staying here. And it's just like... I think about it sometimes and I go, I would have had to reach a level of insanity that I like was hitherto unknown to me or get chewed up and spit out and and destroyed by it. Like, I feel like the only type of people who can survive in Hollywood are complete and total sociopaths. You know what I mean? Like people like Tom Cruise and Christian Bale and like. 
fucking William Shatner. You know what I mean? Who's now doing like commercials for like DUI law firms or something or personal injury law firms. No shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. He'll like, he'll do pretty much anything anymore. I saw, dude, that I saw him. incredible. Dude, I saw him on like a daytime TV legal practice commercial recently and it was for something in Denver too. And I was like, how did they get William Shatner? I don't know. Hey, speaking of Tom Cruise, uh, I'm sure you guys have seen the center tooth thing, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Do you know about the center tooth thing, Gordon? Center tooth. His teeth aren't lined up. No, his his teeth are. Uh, dude, he's kind of a mutant. Like he almost looks like someone. He almost looks like someone put his teeth together. Like, who didn't have a complete understanding of what people are supposed to look like. Am I going to need to look up a picture of him smiling oh, in order dude. to see this? Yeah, he has... How have I, how have I missed this before? Like, dude, I, he, has, he has a centered tooth. Like, if you... Yeah, look it up. He has, uh, like, if you... If you... What do you call it? Uh, uh, bisect his face. Like, if you have, like... If you have a straight line going from the center of his forehead down to the center of his chin and like lined up on his nose so it's all like one straight symmetrical line he has a do you see it that is weird dude now you won't be able to unsee it seriously that's fucking bizarre isn't that weird that is fucking weird isn't it like an alien built his face (laughs) don't you think it looks like an alien built his face it looks like I, i don't know it looks like Part of his cranium came down through his nose and invaded his his fucking mouth, right? Dude. And and grew a nodule. So it's, okay. it's fucking weird. So I'm I'm not a huge conspiracy guy, but there is one conspiracy that I could get behind, and I don't even know if it's one that's out there. But it would make sense to me if, like, Scientology <laughs> was the only true religion. Hear me out. Scientology was the only true religion, and they were literally proxies of Xenu and, like, all the alien monsters out there that they talk about. And, like, the— Okay, okay so I just have to interject here. Yeah, yeah, please do. It almost looks like it's all just moved over. Uh, it's almost like his mouth is—the teeth are all moved over to the side. Like his face slightly. was divided into so wonder, three yeah, places, if- and they were spinning around, and, like— the top third landed right. The bottom third landed right. But like <laughs> so weird. the middle his, third his just because I, I keep looking for a straight on like you know like I need a straight on yeah boy no every single yeah, one of that's, them that's fucking whoa wow you never <laughs> dude that's gonna that's gonna weird you out forever oh that is gonna I can't wait to share that to my wife dude that's that's great it sucks too because oh anyway the conspiracy. <laughs> What if, what if all the people that are science, like are the spokespeople for Scientology, what if they are all like manufactured like humanoid androids or like, you know, clones or whatever, just made by aliens based upon what they think other humans would respond to? They're like... Based upon our survey of humans down on Earth, we have found that they find these features to be attractive and this type of personality, and they enjoy going to these things called movies. So we're going to make these movie stars that'll that'll go through Hollywood and will will bring people into Scientology so that we can check their thetan levels and run experiments on them. 
Like I think that that's I think that that's probable. I don't know about any of that, but I will say that I do think that there's something amiss in that dude's mouth. <laughs> there, there's, I mean, like I keep looking at these fucking photos, and I gotta say, it really does look like it's just like pushed off to the side or something. It's yeah. like it's like somebody said, you know what? Nope, I'm just gonna go off to the side here. Just gonna just gonna push him off a little bit. Just it's like offset it a little bit. It's like it's weird. It's like he thought he heard somebody off to his left call his name, and he started to turn. But his like forehead and eyes and nose stayed straight, and his chin stayed straight. But his teeth went. Uh, oh no, they didn't stay our, say our name, and they just never like set right afterwards. Like they're just slightly off. Like something distracted them. Dude, that's just like yeah. It's that. That's definitely something that you can't unsee, and then you're gonna see it every time. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like that Chili Pepper song. Welcome to Wichita. <sighs> What? Under the bridge. <laughs> Under the bridge. Listen to that shit and tell Under me that you tell Tell me that you don't hear. Welcome to Wichita. Or uh what's the one uh the Jay-Z crazy. New York song that's like What's up, New York? Concrete jungle, wet dream tomato. <laughs> <laughs> You ever heard that one? That's uh, a my, good one. My, favorite, good my one. favorite one is uh uh from Pantera. Uh which one? Where he's uh the opening scene is just he says first take like a motherfucker. Well, I always had a buddy. It was always said first uh, farts smell stink like a motherfucker. So that's all, so that's all I heard. Stink like a motherfucker. So I was like, every time it comes on, you know, uh, I think domination. He's like farts stink like a motherfucker. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's my favorite track off of that album too. Yeah, but yeah, so, farts I, like so a I, had a, I had a buddy who's like, no, nah, it was first take like a motherfucker. It's like I still can't hear it. <laughs> You'll never be able to unhear it. Man. Yeah, that's great, and that's, it'll make you giggle every time. Man, if I ever, he- dude, I'm gonna. There's a bathroom on the right. Yeah, there's a bathroom on the right. Excuse me while I kiss this poker guy. face, Lady Gaga poker face. What about poker fuck, face? Fuck, 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 fucker face. Fuck, 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 fucker face. Dude, Wasn't seriously, was like, that there's... semi-deliberate though. I hope so. Yeah, Lady Gaga is a genius. But like, the, yeah, you want to yeah. talk about someone that's weird though? That woman has assistants. For all kinds of things. Yeah. She's got bed warmers. She's got people that are just that, that you know, I don't, I can't she's remember if it's. She's got people to fuck face for sure. I can't remember if it's, a, <laughs> if it's uh, serious, but you know, like chew your food face for Face fucker. Get over here. But you know, the, the yeah, yeah, yeahs are the first like uh, band to get the word, the F word on the radio though. I think I've heard that, yeah. How'd they do it? As a fuck son, you suck. It's like off of their first single. Um, what's the name of that? What's the name of that? Did the Yeah Yeah Yeahs? Did they do? I couldn't sing the song, but if I heard the song, I would know it was the song. But it's not a song that you can really sing. That uh, 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 God, I can't remember. The Yeah Yeah Yeahs had some big hit. They had yeah, Maps was their big one. Well, Maps they had, well, was they've the had big a one. few, right, right, guess, right. But Maps, Maps was, was the big, big one. one right. Yeah. But no, I guess Bang, 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 Bang. I think maybe Bang or something. I don't know. This is their first single. And they played it all over the radio. Nobody ever knew that that's what she was saying. As, as a fuck, son, you suck. Have they um, have they ever gotten around to bleeping uh, Money for Nothing by Dire Straits? Oh, yeah. That's Dude, he, dro- he, he drops the, the F-bomb, the other F-bomb, like four times in that song. He sure does. 
And and I think he does it in a very tasteful way because he's making fun of, you know, dummies sitting at home watching music videos trying to pick apart like the rock stars and stuff like that, which I think is, I thought that was really clever and kind of ahead of its that time. That was, yeah, that was not bleeped back in the day for sure. Right, they didn't. And that, I, that, was, that was just like, oh yeah. They still might not. Like we can say this word all we want on here. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah, I'm, I'm positive I've heard that on the radio and, and heard that word. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The word shit. I've heard the, the word shit. Um, Steve Miller band, right? Oh, you have to tell me about this one. Oh, God. What is that? What, um, in uh, not take the money and run, but um, God, what fucking song? I'm trying to think of what song Steve Miller says shit in. Big old jet airliner? Doesn't he say shit? I don't know. I'm looking it up. Look it up. (laughs) I think he says shit in in big old jet airliner. Oh, Oh, funky shit going down in the city. Right? That sounds totally legitimate. Yeah, funky shit going down in the city. Right? He says shit on the radio. Well, that's a classic. You can say that because it's a classic. I can't believe you can't say dirty words on. It's kind of dumb. It's really silly. Like we, when we went over to Germany, we had to explain to people in Germany why we couldn't just write our name out full form on everything. Like, they'll be like, your band is called Motherfucking Ruckus, but why does it say MF Ruckus on all of your materials? It's like, oh, because in the U.S., you couldn't put up a poster anywhere, or you're like, posts would get blocked or something like that. Like, you, you, you'd be shooting yourself in the <laughs> foot by just, and they're like, because of putting the word fuck? Like, <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a problem? People would get offended by words? They'd get offended by this? It's like, yeah, pretty much. That's a true thing. So yeah, did you find it? I've got it right here. Okay, what does it say? Uh, and I'm going with some hesitation. You know that I can surely see that I don't want to get caught up in any of the funky shit going down in the city. I don't want to get there caught up in any. Please of that. don't get me caught up. Please <laughs> don't get me caught up in any of this funky shit. I okay? cannot wait for the opportunity to use that casually in a conversation. Just like people are like talking about going to a party or something like that, or talking about going to a show, and just be like, "Listen, well, please." I'm I'm going with some hesitation. I'm just going to come right out and say it. Um, Do you think I have time for this funky shit? Yeah, yeah. I really, <laughs> I would prefer. I'm just I'm just letting listen. I'm just communicating my preferences here. I would prefer not to get caught up in any of that funky shit going down in the city. I'm just going to put that out there if we're talking about preferences so (laughs) jamie please tell me about um (laughs) please tell me about the maverick spoof that you're doing (laughs) please tell me about it i really do want to know about it i just went down a rabbit hole i'm sorry yeah sorry about that that was a terrible rabbit hole yeah the the one-to-one edibles have started kicking in and they're making my brain go weird places i'm sorry i'm sorry please tell me about please tell me about the top gun spoof animation i saw like all the heads that you made how many tom 
How many Tom Cruise uh, heads did you have to make? I mean, right now I got uh, twenty, about twenty different mouths. Uh, I still think I need a, a handful more. So now, now, how does? So for people who have never done stop motion or have never done or have never seen like a behind the scenes stop motion, most stop motion is done using phonics after the fact, right? Like they're taking. They're taking little mouthpieces in post-production and animating those on top of action, like what we do here at the Nug Nation. Right, which definitely, uh, you know, it's it, you know, uh, makes for kind of a quicker animation style too. You know, right, you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, all that during animation. But I kind of like the richness of of having that full mouth or you know that just that full character right there. So you've got there. you've got 20 heads that have all different so, all yeah. the different expressions and mouth shapes that you're going to need to use throughout the whole thing. Right. So every time the you know a change in in, in phonics or, or or yeah an expression, you know, you'd have to you'd bring that new mouth in and uh, just pop it underneath. Uh, Do you have to build a new head every time you get to a scene in the story where you're like, "Oh fuck, I forgot to make that emotion <laughs> with that mouth shape." Yeah, right. No, um, I mean the way I kind of did it was, yeah, it was just to you start off on a basic, uh, uh, you know, smile, and then I would just kind of recreate a new one. So I'm sure if if the time if it needed to be done, it'd be you know kind of a, a painless way to do it. Uh, a lot of places uh, like Leica are doing the 3D prints. Uh, I just against like the the richness of how you do you know, go sculpting. about how do you go about planning out each head that needs to get made? I mean, this is just because I mean you have to. I mean, do you have well, I don't to have, have full like heads? I have just the jawline. Oh, so it'll just be the jaw. His whole head stays the same, uh, and then same thing with the brows. So, so you I'll, just I'll swap take out a, the jawline, or or oh. yeah, or or like an eyebrow. Uh, like a kind of a, a, a faceplate, right? So I, you know, if his if his eyebrow expression is you know shocked or you know angry, you just put in a new set of brows and it you know changes that whole emotion in the face, uh, you know, somewhat simply. Okay. So. And you have to take that one frame at a time. Mm-hmm. That's fucking insane, dude. How far? <laughs> how far are you in? So how? What is the runtime that you're shooting for with with the final product? Um, it'd be nice if it got to 15 minutes. 15 minutes. But how many hours of animation work is uh, that going to take? How how months. many hours of production? Oh, I'm already in I'm already in years just trying to you know do set up and figure out how I'm doing a process. This is all a lot of it's all new to me. Um, you know, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, it'd be nice to work in LA for a big studio and have like a mentorship towards right. somebody that's going to show you the, the ropes. But, uh, yeah, again, yeah, like I, I don't want to live out there. <laughs> right. And if you, uh, if you were in Hollywood and you did manage to get a job. They kind of suck it out of you. Well, you know? and you would, you'd be working in a factory where they'd be giving you a, a segment of a film, like a little tiny segment of a scene every day to work on. Yeah, sometimes like Robot Chicken, I think they're uh, they they have to do anywhere from uh, like three to twelve minutes a week, uh, depending on you know kind of what they're what how how uh, three to twelve minutes a week is their like quota yeah. in order to 
keep their job right um and you know then go into places like Leica that are doing the the full-on just crazy animation some of the stuff they're doing is like three minutes a month how many if that how many minutes uh how many minutes a week are you turning out just across all projects um I mean, I'm right now. I'm just doing doing a lot of like practice stuff, just trying to get it all set up and making sure that I'm right. I've seen I've seen you do like little test animations where you're like, I just want to see what it would look like to get this character to jump or sit down in this way, and, right? And, and you'll or or what it would look like in this explosion. Or you did you did a little short one for Nug Nation that was like a character popping out of a jar of weed, like, yeah. Things like and that, that was you know what thirty. 30 second little 30 piece. seconds how long did that and, uh, take you to make it was like a couple days how many um, hours a day you know roughly eight Holy you know fucking shit so man. i mean it's yeah i mean it depends too like how yeah what's your what's your level of of clarity you know how how you're kind of going for it so all right i have a question for you and this is this is something that is somewhat current and relevant for me personally and i think something that gordo will be able to identify with and really any creator will be able to identify with, but especially you because, okay, how many hours went into animating the Billy Ray Cyrus video that you oh, guys did? Because it was just you and Mikey doing the animation side yeah. of it, right? That was that was gnarly. How uh, many hours total went into that? God, I didn't even like count it down. I just remember like the first few days. I mean, because we only had eleven days. Yeah, you only had eleven days. Only eleven to make, days to do it and to it make was... a fully animated three and a half. Four minute, it was, yeah, it was video, a- and yeah, it was like I think we kind of were like, all right, we we know where we're going. I think the first couple of days, it was like, all right, well, I got that shot done. I'm gonna go home, right? And then once we kind of started getting closer, we're like, oh, okay, we do need this scene or that scene or this, you know, it like started filling out. We're like, oh, okay, we have four more scenes, and then you'd you'd get down to you know that, and you'd add six more. Right, right. Uh, because yeah, you go, oh, <clears throat> this doesn't look right if we don't. Well, no, we didn't even really have that opportunity. Uh, but no, we would be like, oh, we need to, we need to make you know this close up scene, or we need to do right. you know to make this continuity work. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it was the last uh, f- uh, four days was the roughest. You know, we we did uh, two. Uh, me and Mikey stayed up thirty six hours straight. Thirty six hours straight, uh, and I'm I'm animating, you know. So I'm standing. You're working the whole time. I'm standing, standing up and animating and animating. And Just standing, standing over these tiny little sets and moving the armatures and the little body, the little body parts and eyes and eyelids and and things like that, and trying to time it to music at the same time. Right. Yeah. Which you know, I mean, definitely makes it easier when you can have something to. to time to you know right it's, it's, it, that's the hardest thing to sit there and go okay well how do i how do i animate to nothing you know it, right. it, it almost noticed. has like a blank paper to to start on but um yeah and then so 36 hours and I came home slept for seven got back here and did another 30 to get to get it done in time uh, wow so yeah, how many and, how many hours total in 11 days because you were here every God. day for 11 days yeah. right every single day for so, 11 days you know at least eight Eight to start, and then it just kind of increased to ten. That's insane. Uh, probably, you know, probably no more than uh, to do like two months worth of work in eleven days. Yeah. Like most of that stuff should have, you know, and of course with two people, you know, because Mikey would come in, we'd get a shot done, we'd he'd help set set up the cameras, the lights, stuff like that. Um, I'd kind of just get ready and plan like what I was gonna do, how I was gonna have that character come right. in. 
Uh, so I was kind of, you know, having a lot of that kind of running through my head. And a lot of, you know, that's the thing that's kind of crazy is a lot of these things would, you know, should take timing to figure out how to do. Like, oh, okay, right. I'm going to have him walk across the screen or do something like that. Well, okay, that's, you know, let's just say that's 36 uh, frames or, you know, just a little, like a, a minute or a second and a half. So you, you go, okay, I got that much time to figure out how to make him do that. Right. You know, with this, it was literally like, uh, okay, I got no time to rehearse that. If the shot didn't come out right, I couldn't just go back and reshoot it because we just were on that tight right. budget, that time budget. And uh, and, and they lowballed you guys <clears throat> on the actual budget, too, on the financial budget, too. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, that kind of crunch time, I would have. it would have been nice what to see What do you think more. your hourly broke down to? Um, Five twenty-five uh, an hour, yeah, right? Uh, definitely, uh, probably barely spending the the gas money to get here. <clears throat> really? Yeah, maybe because you live in Idaho Springs, Pretty so it's it's, it's 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 a long drive here. About, yeah, about forty-five minutes. Okay, so and th- this is my question, and Gordo, this I'm, I'm opening this up to you too, and this isn't to make the artists listening to the show despair. It's kind of I I'm looking for. Maybe some ways that we can offset this. And, and and what I want to ask you about is how does it make you feel to create something that takes so fucking long, takes so many hours, is such a tedious process, is just like so hard on your body and requires so much, and then see it go out into the world and just be like, and gone like that. Yeah, I mean, some stuff was, it was nice, I think, regardless. Uh, Like, we got, okay, for that project, we got great feedback. Like, we got, we got on, you know, we got a ton of views out of it. We got the write-up in Rolling Stone. We got the write-up in in Billboard. We got, uh, you know, uh, Now This Weed did that feature on us. But at the end of the day, like, all of that is, like, content that has been consumed and is, like, long gone no it is like relevant it is like <clears throat> old news and it is not even like it's not remotely fresh in the cultural consciousness you know i think about this too like you could make an amazing movie and even if you make even if you make the most amazing movie of all time people aren't talking about it every day but it's still out there for people to discover though that's that's the thing you and, know and, like and, that's, and maybe that's a big part of like how you re- you you make that other part okay. Let me let me tell you why I'm bringing it up. So we are getting ready to drop something this week. In fact, the day that this episode comes out will probably be either the day of or the day before or the day after that the motion comic drops that we've been like working on for two years and had to deal with a change in artist and had to deal with a change in two animators and had to deal with, um, you know, all the curves that went with that had to deal with a band member leaving the band, had to deal with all the moving parts to make it work, dealing with the label and like, and by now that this thing is dropping, like, you know, we've all seen it. Our patrons have all seen it. You know, our kind of inner circle has all seen it. And we're just kind of ready for it to, to finally be out because we've waited so long. But I'm like, repair, I'm preparing myself for the same thing you've got to prepare for whenever you put out a new album. Or Jake, you know, Jake Fairley even talked about 
putting out a comic that he's worked on for like a year and then just kind kind of seeing people go huh and then move on you know yeah, it's what's, like so what's your impression of that Jamie is that is that I mean, as, 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 I mean, as is any, that disheartening in any way to you to like see no, I mean, I mean, so much work go out into the world and then it's just kind of casually consumed and then forgotten about? Like, not is really. That, I think because a lot of people too, nobody really gets it. You know, they sit there and when they when they hear you're an artist or something like that, they're like, oh hey, uh, you know, can you make me this or you want you know design me a tattoo or this and that? You know, and then you're like, yeah, and then you kind of give them an hourly rate or something, and they're like, well. What's, yeah, you do this for, you know, you like doing this. Well, like, yeah, but I still have to get paid. Right, right, right. You know, they don't, it's they going don't to really, take a lot of time to do they it. They don't appreciate, uh, you know, most people don't appreciate the buildup of what it takes to make these things. And I think if, if you didn't, if you didn't like the, the process, then you probably wouldn't still, you know, stick with it. Well, it's like when we were talking about doing a music video together. Right. I <clears> knew that animation took a long time. But I don't think it was until after wor- like actually working with you here at the Nug Nation that I really saw the scope of how long that it takes and like how much physical tedious work goes into it. Right. And you know, and I've been I've been quoted on music before as this like you know, or on on videos before this like really huge prices, especially with animated stuff. And I'm going, why? Like, why is yeah. it so expensive? Yeah. Like that was that was an idea that was floated in the van. We were you know talking about the next year and plans of things that we're going to do. And right. And somebody floated the the idea. It's like, well, Gordo, you're in good with the Nug Nation guys. You know, you we can get a we can probably get a you know a video for the the song about weed that's on our album. You know, and and I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I saw them working on that Billy Ray Cyrus video. And and I like, and I see what they do all the time, and that's fucking, that's hard fucking work, dude. Like, I, I we asked, would have to throw them some serious bones for for that work. I know? asked, like, I asked Mikey for it one time, and he said, he said that bare minimum, like friend price, he would have to charge me thousands of dollars. To absolutely, do it. dude. You know what it I mean? Just, yeah, so much goes into it. But I get, but that's that's the thing though. Is like, I'm looking. I'm looking, uh, basically, if you visualize my band and my personal stuff is on one platform, and I don't mean like like a social platform or something like that. I, I ima- I, I'm imagining like a metaphorical platform, like standing on a platform in space. An Olympic platform? And I, exactly. And I'm kind of looking up at Nug Nation, which is at a, another higher platform, you know, just in terms of the volume, in terms of the financial stakes of projects that we're working on in terms of the audience that we're working with in terms of the clients that that we're working with like i'm sitting here at my level trying to make my little motion comic and my next little album for the you know loose 5000 facebook fans distilled down to probably 10% of that or 5% of that you know being being realistic the the 200 you know we'll just say 200 people worldwide who like really check out our shit right i'm like looking at that and then i'm looking up at nug nation and i'm seeing us do stuff with these huge guests and huge clients you know, people that have huge followings on social media, doing stuff for Billy Ray Cyrus and Red Man and Afro Man and stuff like that, and seeing how even doing that, no one piece of content has 
quote unquote taken us to the next level. It's always been like we're still week to week. Like Mikey is having to grind his ass off to keep the lights on, you know, and is is making calls and hustling his balls off just to get us to that next project. Like doing that Billy Ray Cyrus video did a lot for us. Getting that now, now this weed feature did a lot for us. But it has by no means been the thing that like, whew, all right, kick up your heels, guys. Like we have arrived. We have done everything that needs to be done. But I mean, honestly, like it's, it, it seems to me that, you know, opportunity looks like a, a lot like hard work like no matter right. what you do like i mean it's just you're just working hard to whether you're trying to you know get to a goal or sustain some kind of success that you have as a result of meeting your goals it's like it's all hard work are you feeling particularly optimistic right now like and th- this is a real <laughs> actually no no really i would because i know i know i'm 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 never either optimistic or not optimistic i i feel like i'm very much a realist when it comes to right, what i right. do so the the reason i ask is because going on tour and i and at some point in the show i i want to really like unpack the tour and talk about that but i know when you've got like something new and you're going out touring it and you're marketing it it seems like it can go either way where you happen to have a really good tour and a lot of you you reap a lot of positive results and you come back and you're like really optimistic and enthusiastic about all the opportunities that are being generated from it and you're feeling like you know you're like oh man I can see this happening in the future and I can see all these connections or it can go the other way and you can be like Wow, everything involved with that was a complete and total waste of time. Well, you can't, yeah, you can't Writing the album, though. recording the album, doing the tour. Yeah, like, but it's it's all just a continuation of the work, in my opinion. Like, it's it's all just, like, I mean, I can feel, I've got things I can feel good about from this tour, and i can, I got things I can feel real bad about about this tour. Right. But, you know, ultimately it all evens out because I know it's just part of the work that we need to do, and we have a lot more work we need to do. Like, you know? do you, like... I think I've told you before about like when I, like one year I couldn't really afford to do anything for Christmas for anybody. So I spent the whole month of November making a Christmas album for my family. Right. (laughs) And I was, and I was super proud of it. It's stupid and it's silly and it's goofy and it's corny. And, but dude, I like wrote a song every day and I was like, oh my God. This is possible. I could write a song every day. I am capable of writing a song every day. And I was very excited to like continue the habit and make time for it every morning and like trying to think of ways that I could build it in. But I just the experience of doing it and seeing so little return from it. You know, and when I say return, I just mean like it was pretty much like, oh, that's very sweet. Thank you. You know, and which is awesome and what I wanted. But I also had put so much of my heart into it, had invested so much into it. It's like when you put the thing out there and see the way people respond to it, the way that people respond to it is is not even close to how much you built it up in your head. Do you yeah, know what I mean? That's, I mean, that's how I feel a lot, too, with the social media. Like, I'm, I, I mean, I, it, social media is I almost feel like. There is my old man point. Like, okay, I don't feel old yet, but like, I don't feel that I connected really with 
social media. I still, no, no. I still feel like a '90s kid, you know. Like, hey, I, you know, I'll come to your house or I'll go to the mall and I'll figure out where you're at. Right, right. You right. know, but like social media, it's one of those things where it's like you put so much out there and you want people to return. You know, like a lot right. of the stuff I'm even working on, where it's like, oh, you know, I love it. You know, I, I, I was really proud of it, and I put it out there, and I'll get you know. 15 likes from like something some that really took close you like people. Something that took you three yeah. days, dude. Yeah. Something that took you three days to animate. And you it's, know what I mean? You know, but at the same time, it's like, oh, okay, you get, you'll get frustrated and you, you just, okay, whatever. But, you know, you, you, I think you always have to just come back onto the work that you did yourself and, you know, be proud about it there. You and know and I, mean? I guess that's what... It I, is one of those things where you just, you gotta, you do have to stand back and you go, okay, I can't let it get to me or... It's fucked up too because it's like... <laughs> It is common knowledge that these platforms work differently now, and they deliberately limit your reach. You are only reaching five to ten percent of your total followers. Yeah, that's that's a big reason well, why I kind of step like, back from that stuff. Right, like so. even Facebook, where it's just like even I do it, where it's just like okay, I don't want to, I don't want to listen to these this you know such, such and such political posts right, that they right. always do and it's just like you know i want to use social media for happy you know entertaining entertainment purposes you know so it's like you know you you, you do kind of weed out those people and you know i'm sure people do that to so what do you me. is there anything that you do to, and that's exactly the thing i'm sure there are people that roll their eyes every time i'm putting another thing up about like <laughs> right. hey my band guys my band did you know my band is a thing did you know my band exists look what my band is doing people are like shut the fuck up fuck your podcast fuck your comic (laughs) book fuck your new album fuck your fuck your the pictures that you guys are putting ever fuck you snooze like it's it's, (laughs) you know what i mean like hitting the snooze snooze for 30 days yeah yeah. snooze for 30 days so so but that's kind of my question is is there anything that you deliberately do and i watched the nug nation put out content that reaches an audience literally a hundred times or a hundred times or more the size of the audience that I reach with my band and I even watch Nug Nation have to like grind their asses off every day to get people to see their stuff and this brilliant show is still just like something that's like I I have no idea. Yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, you know, is there, I, what is there anything that you do deliberately just to just to deal with that like kind of deflated feeling that comes from like being super proud of something that you've done and seeing how little of a ripple it makes it's like it's like i i equate it to like if you like haul the boulder all the way up a mountainside and there was like a lake on top of that mountain and you're just like you're committed to hauling this boulder up the mountain and it's this this feat and like uh, of human strength and you can't just can't believe you're done and you're like i will do this i will accomplish this i'm gonna get this boulder to the top of the mountain and i'm gonna throw it in the lake just to see the splash that it makes and it's like and then you just heave this boulder off of you into this pool and like it just makes the tiniest little ripple like it makes the same ripple 
that an Olympic diver makes when they really like stick the dive and barely break the surface tension. Of the so water. you've got you got people that come out to your shows and they and they want to hear particular songs, right? Like they they'll say, "I want to hear this song from this album that you released like five years ago or like six years ago." Sometimes, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, there you go. That's that, that's my, that's my that's only good, point. I mean, no, that's a that's a good. That's point. all I'm saying is like think about where it's like you're 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 putting your art out into the universe. You're putting it out there. You're getting it out there in front of people. You want to get it out in front of the most people you possibly can. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're you know there's due there's to whatever reason that one that's th- just everybody resonates with better. Yeah, there's going to be that. The, there's going to be the the people that you do reach. There's their favorite songs and their things that they want to hear you guys do like all the time. And like, that's, that to me is kind of more important than like that one big thing that might happen someday with one album or one song or it's for me, it's like, Oh, well, uh, you know, if we, we have people to come out to our shows and ask for, ask to hear these songs and it it gives us a reason to relearn that song and play it the next time we come to that town. You know what I mean? Like it kind of gives us, a reason to keep the ball rolling or like somebody you know? somebody shows up at a show and they go they go i've been coming to see you guys or i saw you for the first time this year at this club and da 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 and i follow everything yeah. you do and dude i love it when you get the person at your show and it's like you're feeling really bad about the fact that the room's almost empty and the fucking there's that person at the show who's like, where the fuck is everybody? They're missing out, dude. Yeah, yeah. I dude, I got my tickets the day they went on sale because I figured it'd be sold out. And you're like in your head going, yeah, yeah, we sold. Yeah, we sold on there, more like you, man. I, I, I don't, I don't think we could sell out a fucking toilet. So like, but thank you very much for the thought. No, and I guess, I guess what I'm, I'm looking for more. And and you gave a good example of like. Things you can do to subdue the ego and get it out of the way and appreciate those things without building your art up so much in your head. I had a I had an experience on psychedelics recently at the Ween shows where like I tend to I tend to kind of work stuff out when I'm at those shows. That's like that's like church for me. It's a good proving ground. Yeah. Well, taking mushrooms and going to a weekend of ween shows, like, is that is church. That is going to church for me. Right. And on. I like, and I was like working through some stuff. And one of the things that I was working through is, is like the Alaska thoughts and the feelings of like just going, I quit. Nothing I do matters. I'm ready to just walk away from all this. And I started thinking about, I had set this goal for myself where I wanted to write. 10,000 songs in my lifetime and it was this like huge goal that I had and it was a fuck ton of songs it's a fuck ton of songs but if you wrote a song a day for 30 years you could do it and and I started thinking about it and I started thinking about all the stuff that I have done and I went and I started thinking about the um, the list of chord charts that I have learned since my son was born and we're up to 126 songs that I have like fumbled my way through and and played for him and sang for him. And I started thinking about that and I started thinking about like how quickly I was able to do that and I started thinking about how long it took me to write the songs that I have and I had this kind of humble moment 
where I was like, maybe I should focus more on learning 10,000 songs, you know, studying what all these great masters have done before me, you know, and then feel grateful and fortunate for what I am able to produce via my own filtering of their inspiration. You know what I mean? Like go through and learn the tools, study, sharpen the saw, like build all that up and trust that as I, it's like, we've, have we talked about the water in the conduit thing before? Gordo? Oh yeah. 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 Like focus on building the best conduit that I can. And then trusting that if I if I structure that conduit right, that the water will flow on its own and I should be happy for whatever it is that I'm able to produce in the world. You know what I mean? There's, like, there's things, too, I think that, you know, you, you can still make plenty of stuff. Right. You know, some, th- some things just you don't feel like putting out in the, to the world. Right. You know, but that should still count. You know, I mean, there's plenty of stuff that yes. I've worked on and made where it's just like, you know, I'm disgusted with it. Uh, you know, plenty of people will be like, wow, that's just amazing. Right. Uh, but you, you know, you're, you yourself are just still like, no, it's not to my quality, not to my standards. Right. You know, but you can't, you, you know, you can't discord, discard what you've, you've put out or made just because it's the rest of the world doesn't see it. it. From Absolutely, what I, dude. That's from, a really good point. Right, right. Really good point. From what I know about you two, I don't know if, the opinion of others is as important to you. Is that correct? Um, you know, to a, de- a certain degree. You know, it's nice to get a little bit of praise. You know, but you don't want to be, you don't want to be, uh, you know, what's the word? Just, you know, you don't want to be uh, always expecting it. Or, right, or you right. know, it's it's it, it makes you feel good when you when people are like, oh, that's great. Uh, but at the same time, it's just like and. It shouldn't be uh, expected. There's there's another thing, too, that happens, and this is something that is, like, terrifying about even the prospect <laughs> of, quote, unquote, making it, is, and I've, I've talked about this with a few of our guests that have been on here, is, like, just as the praise scales, just as the love scales, the hate scales, too. So, like, the more successful that you get, the more people are going to love you, but also the more people are going to hate you and getting like hating you could it almost like it, becomes a sport to like some people. You know what I mean? Like the further and further you get up the hierarchy, the more the people that are stacked up at the bottom are going to fucking take shots at you man but it's one of those things too where it's like you know they're wasting their breath on something then right you know why even bother if you don't like it right you know like we did we did have a couple articles that i saw uh not necessarily articles but like uh people in the stop motion uh community uh that were throwing shade on you that were that were like you know this is this is you know shit you know it looks like a two-year-old did it or something like that and it was just like uh I don't remember the guy's name, but I know he, you know he used to he he kind of was one of the starting people on Gumby, and it's like man, you look at Gumby, and it was like that first came out, and it was like, did you even know what you were doing? Right, because it looks like ass, you know. But it's like that was the '80s. That was something that was 
you know, people are building. We've 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 all come up kind of learning from other people's mistakes and and kind of uh, you know even you know people that kids that are in like eighth grade are making better animations and stuff like that. Right, right. You know, it's like uh, uh, you know to, to to talk down on anybody. It's just like right. you know, what's the point? Everybody's a critic, man. Uh, everybody's but, a Yelp. You know, but everybody's some, a Yelp. Critic. Oh yeah, everybody's a Yelper. But at the same time, sometimes some of that bad stuff is uh, positive, you know, because then you can sit there and go, okay, well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna climb the mountain and, and prove you wrong the next time. I'm gonna make you See, like it. Or and that's that's something that's <clears throat> I don't for the most part I don't read any of the comment comments for anything that Nug Nation pulls pu- puts out, but. I check notifications for all the ruckus platforms compulsively. Like just on my phone, just like anytime I got a free moment, I'm checking through all our platforms to see if anyone has said anything. Right. And you need to stop doing that. Oh, I, <laughs> no. I know, right? It can be destructive, but... I, I know, right? But maybe I need to start treating it more like I treat Nugnation stuff, which is I because I didn't create it, because all I do is a little bit of writing and a little bit of voiceover. I have a certain um, distance from it, a certain emotional, like I'm a little dissociated from uh, those type of feelings with regard to Nug Nation content. So like there could be things out there that say whoever does the voice of Bong Burgundy is a fucking idiot and I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't know. I would have no idea because I don't read. Right. The only comments I read were like the top first comments when the Billy Ray Cyrus video came out to see if people responded to the the voiceover. But uh, well, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I think I think the one thing that really did suck about that that just still pisses me off is that Billy Ray himself couldn't even get us a proper recording. Dude, we have mentioned that <laughs> on like, seriously fifteen it's, episodes. It's seriously <clears throat> appalling. It's it's, it's it's just it's just amazing. It's disgusting, which also just kind of does make it to the point where it's like, you know, do you even care? Right. You know, and and it, that, it, that's the thing is I've I It's a very good question. <laughs> dude, and we've t- we've talked about it a bunch of times on this show, a bunch of it to the point that we like make jokes about how many times we brought it up on this show. <laughs> like dude, seriously. But I mean, since you're on here and you actually participated in the creation of that, you you fucking get it, man. Like it was what what I went with and the only way I guess I could wrap my mind around it is I just had to go with what I was told, which was that he has handlers to do all that stuff for him and right. basically his handlers did not put him in the studio and make them do it. And the the I, I mean, the I label know. just accepted it sight unseen and pushed it through. Yeah, I mean that's like, my that's kind of my thing is I, I, I have to follow Hanlon's razor and j- or Occam's razor rather and j- wait no Hanlon's razor and just say it is most likely that he did it without malice aforethought. You know what I mean? Like I've had to kind of go with that. But um, oh, I doubt I doubt that there was much thought at all going on yeah, there. Like, but I, there's he, all, it just it was just a matter of like getting the work done, right? And and that's how he did it. But you say, but right? you say I that mean, you say that you made that statement. You know, do you even care? And it's like, to what degree do people even care about creating? <sighs> higher standard of art if it's all just going to go out into space and be be absorbed into the 
the grand hive of creation of, of human thought. You know, it just gets absorbed into the mosaic of it. And I was thinking, I was thinking about bands like the Rolling Stones or Queen or the Beatles or Led Zeppelin and like all the money and resources and energy and process that was put into making records because you were trying to create this physical uh, artifact that you were then going to put out into the world and people were going to purchase and consume. So it's like you could go in, like you've got to wonder how good the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin really were on their own, which is quite good. But how much of it was also the investment of resources and production and, and things that things that people did to create a piece of fine art, in my opinion? Well, I think there's, there's definitely two types, you know, that say, OK, I'm not going to put out anything that's, you know, below a certain, you know, standard. certain standard, you know, but at the same time, though, I think nowadays you have dime a dozen people that can make just you know, regurgitated shit and people fall in love with it or that they don't even have to really try any effort, especially with all this, like this, the social media platforms where you got these people that are these influencers or, you know, thousands and thousands of followers and they don't do much or these, you know, uh, mumble rappers where it's just like, what the fuck is that shit? And it's, it's a, a, a thing that, you know, it's, it's it's in history now. Right. It's it's a new way of listening to music, but it's also it's like it took no talent, and it's just like all right, get it out, get it out. And I think right. it's it's almost to the point where it's like some of the stuff where it's just like you know, who cares? Get it out, and we'll see if it blows up. If it blows up, then it was like wow, we didn't have to do any work. Right. You know, but at the same time, you still have those people that do. You know, I want plan this, plan that. I want you know, up, oh, not good enough. You know, it's not to this level. You know, and I think it's just. Uh, a way of you know, but you know both sides. It's like you know, wonder, how, much, how much work what, do you want to actually do? I wonder what the actual scale of of it is. Like how like how many television dramas were on thirty years ago compared to how many television dramas or how many dramatic series are on all platforms now like at one point there was television well, there was movies you know what i mean those were you went there to get the stories and someone could put out a, a movie and it would go to the oscars because it was one of a dozen films that came out that year that were just like it was the best of the pile of movies that came out that year or or a show could get really popular because it was the best of like the dozen programs that were on between the various markets or various networks, right? And now you've got Amazon Prime, uh, Netflix, HBO Go. You've got, dude, you've got hundreds of channels with thousands of pieces of content on each channel that are all competing for eyes at the same time. Yeah, you know, it's no longer the Saturday morning cartoon thing where... 
you know what cartoons coming on you just have to nowadays you just search for it but i think that's another thing too is where now you you do have more platforms that you can attack go attack you know because you know how many of that stuff is they're gonna they're gonna go hey that looks good that might take off bam it doesn't you know but it's like well it's like we were talking did you listen to the blaine cartwright episode oh yeah yeah that when he was talking about how much their budget has decreased over the 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 span of their career like when they first came out it was the 90s you know nashville nashville pussy's been going since probably the 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 early 90s or mid 90s and they went from playing huge theaters and getting big crowds and these huge production budgets and being able to go record at fucking Willie Nelson's studio to like touring in a van and like, you know, back to touring in a van and like having enough budget to go into the studio for like a week and make an album all have punk they, rock style. Have they always been on the same label? Like, no, I think they've done different labels, but I also think like the industry has just completely changed. You know, the de- the demand for the product is not yeah, there as much. When I was listening to that, that's what that's what kind of came up in my mind is like, what you know, how often are you renegotiating terms? Like, how many labels are you on, and and which you know which ones are giving you right these numbers, and is there any sense of competition in there? Is there like, is there is there another label that would maybe offer you more for, for right. you know what for what you're trying to do? If you're Na- if you're Nashville pussy, you have that you know that that kind of uh, cachet. You know, you can say. Well, maybe maybe there's the, the label out there that would that would give us X, Y, and Z that we really want to continue, you know, benefiting from um, over this over this other deal. Or like I, that that that's what came up in my mind when I heard it. I also it, think know. it's a matter of, of economics, though. Is it's just it's just markets, you know? Sure. It's like sure. it's like there is not as much demand for their for paid products. Because everybody can get everything for free, and for every one of you in your genre, there are a thousand people. Like even in a like subgenre, there are a thousand bands in your subgenre that are all competing at the same time. Absolutely, and that's yeah, that's that's kind of the reason for my you know wondering about it is it's like who has the budget to do that stuff you know what i mean like right. who, who has like i run a small label very small label you know we only have the resources to do so many things within a given year right like don't have a lot of resources so you know when we what has it been a- like for you from a label perspective like like I'm, I'm sure it's been a learning curve for you the whole way yeah i mean like everything everything that we've done everything that I've done with, with other artists that are on the label has been a partnership. It's like, what can we both put our time, money and resources into that's going to make it better than it would be if we would have done it on our own. What would you say, what would you say are the types of trends you see in terms of what actually sells, like what actually performs, what actually gets a response out of people, what brings you the closest to getting a return on your investment? Well, that that always depends on, you know, what like, say, like the Rand, the Randy book did well, right? It, it did, it did. Would it you did say really it did well. the best out of anything else that you've done on the label? It's done 
Yeah, it's done. It's done really well. Like we have through like our back catalog stuff. Like we've we've had a lot of sales too that kind of like match that. But like that was definitely the best like selling thing right out of the gate. Just because it was like cool. We got a bunch of pre-orders, and then he ended up selling. I think I think I don't know if he has any of those left. Like I think he sold them all out. You know, which is kind of the point. Right. So like our, our small quantities of special things and then they right. just just get them out of there you know <laughs> like our our top selling item of all time is vinyl oh yeah absolutely you know yeah. we sell more we've we've sold more vinyl than anything else because i have a record like, yeah dude lots of be- i mean we we sold like i mean you know this is nothing in industry terms but it for an independent band it's pretty cool to sell like 30 records the first day you know, you go, I sold but that, fucking 30 records but like, today. You know, Jamie, like, maybe you could answer this question. Like, what, in terms of, like, if we, if you were selling, like, Nug Nation DVDs or Blu-rays. Or, like, or Dingus Tunes, whatever, like, whatever type of stuff that you do. Like, like, fing, like, physical media. Like, can you see, like, selling, like, physical media like that? Because that requires a whole other, you know, that that's a whole other aspect of. Right. You know, trying to get your stuff out into the world, right? You know, yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to kind of look at that because obviously nowadays it's the digital world, right? Uh, yeah, I, I always kind of try to look and see, like, if I'm doing a sculpture or something like that, that's more of a one-off. Is how can I make it that you know something different, something new that you know would make people buy it? And it's hard, you know, because yeah, it's uh, there's. Again, yeah, dime a dozen people out there, or right, and that's they haven't what really I'm seen your taste or your 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 uh, vision. Like quite we yet, we kind or... of take art in general for granted. <clears throat> oh sure, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, like you, it, 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 this is kind of what blows my mind is people will kind of people could go see a Pixar movie that that thousands of hours of animation and directing and production went into just like so much they those films have huge budgets man and just like huge man hours going into it and like the fact that anyone can walk out of a a animated masterpiece of like like that and walk out and go that sucked like but they do and there's well, tons and of it the, out there the biggest thing is, is uh i mean i think disney well I don't like any other remakes they're doing right now. All the live action stuff and reboots. I Jungle Book was cool. Uh, I like no, the Jungle Book. No. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, yeah, like Leica, you know, the stop motion house. Um, you know, they started off with Coraline, and they, you know, I don't. Remember, oh, that's I don't remember that's the, Leica. As they did, they I don't did remember like the numbers, but I mean, it was you know the box box office to you know let's just say 120. Or something like that, a thousand, and then just uh, you know each movie that came out just dropped like twenty k, right? Twenty k, and then I think this last one it was just horrendous. It did, I mean, it, you know, and the the amount of money that they're spending to make these things, and then it's just like the outcome was was terrible. But I, you know, I mean, I look at it like uh, I just I I didn't like their the story. There, I mean, there's just so much that I think that they're they're doing right, but I think that there's so much that they're doing wrong right and i think that they're you know they're they're just they're betting on the whole fact that you know we make different films and uh for you know different reasons or something like that it's like well yeah you can still do that but you still have to stick i think to a certain script you know what is successful you know and you kind of then you deviate from that right uh but if you if you just completely deviate and not do you know what has been 
done in the in the past to make things go good, then you're just not going to do good in general. <laughs> hey, here's a depressing thought. <laughs> what if what if we are what if we are the vaudevillian actors of our time? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, like I at, mean, a, cer- you, at a certain at a certain point, no. a certain amount of my mind that's it's really goes there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I mean, I like thinks about that. Like what a if reality? <laughs> what if like what it was like for vaudeville people when they got replaced by by the flicker shows or pictures? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like. Like, what if, what if in a long, like, we just have our short, brief, little human lives, but what if, like, we are in the middle of a, like, one to two hundred year period in human history that will one day be known of, like, like, the end of, like, the end of... Traditional media. The traditional media. <clears throat> like the end of the end of bands, the end of animation, the end, like after that it's well, like Yeah, the, the internet is pretty much completely leveled, you know, a lot of industries and a lot of things, but I, I think that it's also translated into a new you know, like like we were talking about, like if it's if you're not talking about selling DVDs or CDs or physical media or so much anymore and it's gone on you know, it's everything's on the internet now. Right. You know, like Well that was that whole scare with Napster. You know, nobody really realized what what was going on, and I think it was I think finally what uh, Metallica ended up being right about that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. right, but I mean, but I think it was finally Apple that kind of was just like we got to jump on board. You know, so like what, this digital media stuff is going to be right. the next way of of buying. And so selling. what? What? And even that's failing. <laughs> Apple Music is failing. Yeah, it's, oh it's, yeah, oh, yeah, mean, it's failing hard. Yeah, Apple Music is on their way out. Fail you, Dad. And. Um, and so I guess I guess my question is is like what are our options as far as being able to make it at least sustainable enough that you have the tools to do your art in the, the present your art the best way possible. You know like a if Queen came out today there's no way they could have made Night at the Opera. You know, there just wouldn't be the resources for it. There wouldn't be the budget for it. There wouldn't be, there wouldn't be, like, labels would not make, like, would not allocate the funds for that level of extravagance. If Led Zeppelin sure. came out today, sure. they wouldn't be making a record in some castle in the fucking English countryside and like experiment, you know, taking as long as they want to like sit comfortably by the fire and and get wasted and write these masterpieces. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the environments to being able to do it. Well, I think that's what it is. It is it's it is the environment. It's, so how do you create changed. and that's what I'm saying is how can you create that environment? with such a scarce like a literal scarcity of resources in the market like just from an economics just in terms of your example just for audio production i mean a lot of that stuff is possible in your own bedroom now right you know what i mean like that like as far as like marketing production promotion stage production rather you know all that other stuff that goes into it and like actually bringing that to an audience like (coughs) couldn't tell you 
You, but, can, but, you can also uh, do a but, lot more with a light show these days than you sure. used to be able to do. Sure. Well, that's, you know, kind of but, but you have to be able to away, you know, pay for that. Take some of the talent. I think that's... Uh, I, I mean, I... I don't know, man. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it would, you know, it, it, yeah, like you said, I don't if, know. if uh, Zeppelin and them came out in this day, you know, would. Oh, you mean Greta would, Van Fleet? Yeah. It would, and see, exactly. And Greta, Greta Van Fleet, which, <laughs> which I'm, I am definitely not on the, on the hater bandwagon with Greta Van Fleet. I think they're fine. You know, they're, they're not Led Zeppelin. They're their own thing and they're fine. But they don't. Their sound sounds very digitally produced. It sounds like it was created in a computer. It sounds like it was recorded and then put through a bunch of the computer processors and made to sound like what a computer thinks Led Zeppelin is supposed to sound like. You know what I mean? It's not bad, but it does sound very, like, artificially vivid. You know what I mean? Which I'm not, and, and again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's unlistenable. What I'm saying is like, it gets the same argument with, and, and this opens up something for you totally, Jamie, which is uh, the way practical creature effects look compared to CGI. You know what I mean? It's like, CGI looks amazing. Right. Like, what they are able to do with CGI now is amazing, but... I think it's still fun. It's like, not as what was it, Terminator. Yeah, Terminator Two, the the T one or not the T one thousand, but the the Liquidator guy. Yeah, that's the T one thousand. Was it? No, T one thousand is Arnold. No, 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 no. That's you know Arnold. Arnold's the T eight hundred. Oh, T eight hundred. Yeah, the T one thousand was was Robert Patrick, the yeah. like liquid metal. But it's still knives cool. and like, stopping uh, weapons. They they still emerged. You know, I mean, obviously that was the the birth of uh, industrial light and magic. Right. And, you know, they, wow, you know, brought this whole thing. But, you know, there's still plenty of stuff where they used practical effects. And, that's, and I think if you can merge that and do it properly, practical effects still has, uh, you know, a long life. Well, I like uh, that it's kind of making a comeback, too, that, like, right. people are starting to use it more. But, like, there's something, like, if the thing had been made, like, John Carpenter's oh, John the Carpenter's thing. If it had been made now with nothing but CGI effects, I don't think one? it would be as... I did see the new one. Okay. And there's a... I mean, it was fun. It was still... You know, I mean, I get what you're saying, though. I mean, it was like, yeah, there would be... Uh, you know, I mean, the, the old school monster magic is... It just looks different. It just... It, it hits your brain different. Like, it goes in through your eyes and affects your brain different. There's, like, something... There's something specifically about com- computer-generated sensory experiences, and there's been oh oh I forgot to tell you about this. Did I tell you about this? Maybe I told you about this. Um, Ty and I, uh, after we did a podcast one day, Ty came in to hang out, and we just sat and talked, and kind of talked about our plans with the band, and just we just caught up for a while. We didn't end up doing any work, like. He did a brief voiceover, and then we just hung out and talked for a while. And he was telling me about um, some audio geeks have taken uh, Fool in the Rain. I believe it's Fool in the Rain (laughs) with um, uh, John Bonham playing it. And they took his drum part and ran it through 
beat detective and quantized it. And it completely changes the way that you hear those drums. It changes the way the song swings. It takes... Well, sure it does. Like, you can literally hear the soul being taken out of it. And what Ty was saying is he was like, kind of the thesis of these guys who created this video is they are trying to produce experiential evidence of what digital recording is doing to the art form. And I think that that is that correlates with, you know, the difference in using CGI versus <clears throat> practical creature effects or doing doing um, doing digital animation as opposed to what you do, which is stop motion, which is pretty amazing to watch. Like it's it's it like feels like an acid trip. That's like kind of why stop motion animation stuff is so fun to watch when you're on mushrooms. Well, stop motion <laughs> is like, you know, kind of outside the box and then, you know, CGI is all inside the box. Right. As, as right. Where, you know, it's like, there's some still, there's still like physical realm stuff going on and there's something stop motion. And I mean, there's a lot, <laughs> there's something about <laughs> you know? the way your brain just like interprets physical dimensions as opposed to the illusions of physical dimensions. Like, when you listen to a band like Greta Von Fleet, it sounds like a hologram. It sounds like it was created in a fucking Star Trek replicator. You know what I mean? It's technically good. It's technically well-written. It's technically performed well and, and sounds good and is nice on the ears, but it doesn't have the, like, the contours of Led Zeppelin. You know what I mean? And I know there's people listening to this right now going, Led Zeppelin sucks, but... I mean, it, there's arguable differences. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I wonder sometimes if we're... if we are the vaudeville actors of our time and we're just like, yeah, nobody much comes out to the vaudeville shows anymore, you know? Yeah, it was, you know, around... 2020 that people stopped coming out to the rock and roll clubs to see the bands and and people stopped caring about the stop motion animation shows and and they just got into their uh, computer generated content people always talk about how you know like the new rock, technology rock and roll is dead and you know new technology taking over is going to kill music or it's going to kill art or whatever and it's I don't really believe that. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't really buy into it. No, people are going to keep making stuff. And no matter how many times I talk about <coughs> quitting, I still almost as like just an impulse wake up every day and I keep working on shit. Of course. I keep making stuff because it's fun. There and it go. is there is some kind of reward to it. I just I'm wondering how th like how we're going to reach people and how we are actually going to grow our audiences in the next 10 years. Well, yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's a question for everybody that's in our position now, but it's, but it's really interesting that, you know, essentially the internet has taken us backwards in time almost to when music, you know, was a, was just a spectator sport. Right. You know what I mean? Like, People would travel for hundreds of miles just to see one show because it was the only thing going on. Exactly. You know, and like, and that's, and, and that was just, that was it. 
That right. was that was all there was to it. There was no recorded media. There wasn't the poster. There wasn't the T-shirt. There wasn't the you know. It was just that event. Right. Yeah. The whole experience, I think, is yeah, dying too. Because you know, same thing. Even just for '90s kids, where it's just like you know, you'd, you'd get the CD, you'd still have that whole thing, you know, uh, and you'd play that thing straight through, and and you know, every song would be there. Right. Uh, and it, it would, it, you know, you'd, you'd be able to say, oh, this, this took me back to that experience or I had this experience with that. But yeah, nowadays it's just like, oh, this is their hit song. I just want that one. Right. You know, right. they don't, they don't I, there's almost not a full appreciation of the full story, you know, cause I could, I could put in like a bouncing souls, uh, CD, uh, God, which one was it? And I can remember just a whole, uh, summer. Right. When we were hanging out in, in the parking lots, and it actually, like... Hopeless could, Romantic? Was it that album? <clears throat> uh, no, Streetlight, Streetlight Serenade, I oh, think. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but, you know, yeah, still, like... You, know, you like, still had to, you had to commit... It, it made more sense to commit to listening to a whole record because you had to change the CD. You know what I mean? And And there was less options. You had the CDs that you bought, and you could play them in the car or play them on your stereo at home. Like, now it's like... You go on Netflix... And you go, oh, that's interesting. I'll add that to my list. And I'll add that to my list. And that looks interesting. And that looks interesting. But you end up kind of like, or on Spotify, it's like so many things like this podcast and this podcast and this podcast and this band has a new album out. And there's this (laughs) song about it. And you kind of just end up going, just give me a random playlist of some stuff that I like, please. I just... I'm going to read the fucking book. I just want (laughs) to listen. You know, I just want my comfies... I just want to listen to and watch the things that I don't, I don't, I don't want to expand out too much. But there's, you know, like that whole experience of listening to a record, like, the, you know, like there's this whole idea of, you know, like a lot of people that you're know, into vintage technology and I love my record collection, you know, but I'll, you'll never hear me making the argument that like, like, you know, oh, well, it's, you know, this this new thing is, is killing the art form of making albums that are, you know, supposed to be listened to from beginning to end. It's like, you know, that I don't think that's true because there were always albums that were just a collection of things that were just thrown together. Oh, there's tons. I have tons you know, of garbage and the, and records. There's, and there's things and there's things that you can tell were just fucking masterfully sequenced in such a way. See Ringo Starr's career. You know? <laughs> dude, that's a... Dude, I have so many Ringo Starr albums at home. Like, Sarah, Sarah inherited a big portion of her dad's collection, and her dad was kind of a hoarder and just, like, had so many different records. So I have, like... I have, like, bad records that very famous people put out because the record label's like, we need that next record. We need that next record. We need that next record. Give me that and it's Christmas just, special. Yeah, and they're just <laughs> turning it out, just garbage. And uh, dude, there's no greater like. Well, I think it was who was it? Uh, example of that than Ringo Starr. Seriously, uh, Trent Trent Reznor. You know, or he was just like, you know, everybody's saying that, like, oh, the the new digital media is gonna take away from tape. Or you know, every, that's what everybody was freaking out about. And it was just like Trent Reznor came in and it was just like, you know, he used. Uh, he didn't use it as a crutch. He used it as a, a new way of creating something, you know? Just a new dimension or to a new, the, you know, a new way to it. use the tool or to optimize the uh, tools that he already Right, had. you know, so, and then, of course, yeah, that's, you know, when he kind of took off. And Do you guys quantize, Gordo, when you record? No. You don't? 
I mean, like, there's. I think that's really smart for me. Uh, for for our band, like, it's just. Well, Josh not, Finley refuses to. Play yeah, I was going to say, I, there, I, there's no. I, if you're not used to doing it, it's really difficult to do it. You have to yeah. kind of have a trained. You have to. I'm used to doing that for my own material, like because I kind of have to because there's some songs that I can just get on an acoustic and perform and then I can, you know, get on a kit and perform some drums or whatever. And it's real easy. There's other things that are not easy to keep a consistent, you know, just metronomic beat to. And for those things, I really need to have a click and I need to play drums to it or whatever it is. And for me, that's easy. But for someone who doesn't do that all the time, it's super hard. Like, I had had to learn how to do that. Right. You know? No. Yeah. You have to, it took us a long time to learn how to even play to click in the studio. It's and, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. Especially if you have fluctuating tempos or anything like that, where you've got to like program in the tempo changes and whatnot. We we should definitely open that discussion up to Brad when we have him in here next week. Oh yeah, because, yeah. I'd be really interested to hear what he has to say about it. Because the way, I think the way that he worked with us is he was like, he was like, well, it really depends on the song. You know, if you're going to do something... And it does. And it does. If you're going to do something like Parker's songs, we tended to quantize because they were very techy and kind of all over the place and designed to be a lot more slick. But then, like, songs that I might write are kind of designed to be a little more loose and sloppy and noisy and dirty. Or, like, Tony's songs, which are supposed to be, like, straight ahead... Um, you know, classic rock and roll, blues-based rock and roll songs, like, you want those things to have a little more push and pull to them. Sure. You know? And, like, with what you're doing, Jamie, you kind of want that homemade look to shit. Like, you want to be able to tell that the props... Like, you want to have the knowledge somewhere in the back of your head that, like, that prop was built by human hands. Like, it's not, like, that's part of what makes it cool. You uh, know what I mean? It looks like, cooler, think, in, in think, my opinion. Yeah, yeah too. Like, uh, uh, a lot of Aardman films or Wes Anderson films, uh, his stop motion stuff, a right. lot of that was all done. Oh, by like, hand. Mu- like Must Love Dogs or, or uh, I Love Dogs? I Love Dogs. Yeah, um, not Must Love Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's you know, different. it is. It is. They, you, you still show that soul. Right. You know, with Leica, I think, again, they're blurring the line. That, yeah, okay, you're making your characters stop motion, but I think now they're realizing, like, we can't do an entire stop motion film from set to character because it it does. It takes a lot of material and a lot of cost, but they're losing so much money, so they're now they're just going to the point where the characters are there and some of the set, and then the rest is digital. And right. it's like you're blurring the lines to where it's almost so hard to see the difference to then what's the point. Right. You know, so I like to see the heart and the soul. Right. You know, it's like Aardman stuff. You see the thumbprints because they used to do the old clay stuff. You or know? like Bruce, Bruce Bickford is another one. He did all that stuff for Frank Zappa in, um, in the Baby Snakes documentary. Right. He has, is, so, okay, so the Aardman stuff, is that, did he do like Wallace and Gromit and stuff yeah. like that? Okay, because, yeah, because those original The Creature Comforts. Yeah, yeah. Is like that's one of my favorite stop action like animation things I've ever seen in my life. When they're interviewing the animals in the zoo, it's so yeah. fucking good. And it was it was funny because they would actually just you know interview actual people, and then they're like, all right, you know, what does this sound like? You know, they and take the real audio and they <laughs> they would make up like, oh, okay, let's make him. Wow, that sounds like this couple's you know this like bickering 
you know, bunch of birds or something, you know, like, you know, so they'd, they'd come up with their own, uh, you know, character form, you know, but that's what I think thinking out of the box where I think, you know, okay, how do we continue to, you know, branch this art form uh, with the stuff that we have nowadays, you know, so it's like, you know, you kind of just use what you have there and kind of, you know, then, you know, uh, mold it into something that people understand. And then I think that'll help continue the, the art form, you know, music or who is the guy film or, you know, whatever. Who is the guy who used to do, um, he used to, like, his stuff was pretty simple but super elaborate. He did uh, the, the Mr. Fe- Bill? No. The feature, <laughs> the feature length one that he did was I Married a Strange Person, but he did, um, he did the, like, animation. The oh, how to, Bill Plimpton? Bill Plimpton, oh, yeah. Oh, all you, the pencils. All the uh, pencil yeah. drawing stuff. Yeah, that or shit's like, great. Yeah, dude, it's awesome, right? And it's like, what was so cool about that is, like, you get to, like, he elaborates on this really simple concept. And, ex- you know, he, like, you, you, you're awestruck by the direction that these, like, simple pencil drawings can go. Or something like... Uh, what's the guy's name? Dean Hirschfeld. Is that his first name? The guy who uh, uh, they do a bunch of his stuff at the Sick and Twisted Festival of Animation. He did. Um, God, I can't. I can't. He did uh, Alamor. Uh, he did. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. who I'm talking about? Yeah, where it's yeah. all stick figures. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one he does. Um, <coughs> the one he does that is like. The, my anus is bleeding, like all the like stupid little like cotton ball characters and stuff. Yeah, but then it ends up like taking this super surreal twist and goes goes to these weird places and and like goes beyond the apparent acumen of the animator. You know what I mean? I really like that stuff. That like that clash of simplicity and like also showing off your abilities as as an artist. You know, I think that that stuff's really cool. And I don't think you can do that with, like, a digital program. You know what I mean? I don't think you can do that with something that you're just, like, right. drawing on a, like, a digital easel. Right. I mean, I think, yeah, CGI, I mean, it's just, if you're going to be making something crappy, then why not just, you know, I'm not necessarily saying crappy, but something that doesn't have that refined look then yeah why go why go cg like or, you know kids cartoons and stuff like <laughs> that 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 can look kind of corny and churned out of a digital lab somewhere but if you're like i don't know like if i want to watch something trippy and weird and cool you know it's like it's uh it, it's like like looking at old jim henson stuff and using puppets you know and i mean that was like so much goes into creating a universe out of puppets and like physical structures that they built, you know, or like the original Star Wars movies. They just look different, yeah. and it and it makes you feel different looking at them. I'll never get over what they did to Yoda. Yeah, I'll never get over it either. Fingered his butt. <laughs> That's what they did. It's a right? violation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break. What are we at time wise? Uh, we're at 210. What? No way. All right, let's take a little break and air out the room.
Have you heard the um, Artie Lang, the new Artie Lang episode of the Joe Rogan podcast yet? I have not. Dude, that is some good shit. Because it's the first, basically, like, Artie Lang is, he's on probation because drugs. And he's, like, got, like, six months sober or something like that or nine months sober or something. And, like, so he can't leave his house to do the podcast. So, like, they go over to his house and do the podcast and just the craziest fucking stories about that guy, dude. Whoa. Just, like, just... Crazy drug comedian stories. Really good stuff. Worth a listen, man. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors. First and foremost, our most venereal, nay, venerable sponsor, Matula Plumbing. Matula! This Plains, Illinois. Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Angie's List. Super Service Award winner, backhand 1-1, the only one that matters. He'll wear the booties for you. If you're in the Chicago area and you got plumbing problems, call up my boy Jerry Matula, master of poopers. Did you meet Jerry Matula this weekend? I, I didn't, actually. You didn't? I really, I really or wish I would have. Or on this last tour, rather? I really wish I would have. Man, that's unfortunate. <laughs> They normally do a thing where they go hang out at Jerry's, but I guess you came in the middle of the week, and he's got, you know, shit to do. He's got shit Literally to deal with. Literally got shit to handle. He's got shit to deal with. Love you, Jerry. Uh, Flipside Music on South Acoma Street here in Denver. All the stuff you want, none of the stuff you don't. Take down all the crap at the big box stores and distill it down to only the prime shit. Flipside Music, only cool shit. Only cool shit. Go check it out. Uh, Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, hourly, fully equipped rehearsal space rentals here in the Mile High City at uh, like 27th and Larimer, right next to the Larimer Lounge-ish. Stop in, see Mikey Mulligan, have a drink, then go and uh, and jam. And remember, it's Rocket Space, so you ain't got to carry shit. Tell them the boy sent you. Uh, Mutiny Information Cafe, the motherfucking podcast, and a bunch of other shit are Mutiny Transmissions. Mutiny Transmission is a media service division of Mutiny Information Cafe, a cultural epicenter here in the heart of Denver, Colorado, to South Broadway at Broadway and Ellsworth. Books, records, coffee, comics, pinball machines, live events. No one has a larger selection of Torini syrups. Nobody! No one. Magic shows? Spoken word stuff, podcasts down in the basement. They got a studio now. Plus, pamphlets, the pamphlets, uh, educational materials, buttons, snacks, cereal, and um, man, they're like involved in the community. They got their finger on the pulse. They're the baddest of the bad. Go down to Mutiny, check them out. Tell them the boys sent you. TheNugNation.com. We're here at the Nug Nation Studios in beautiful Denver, Colorado. In the Rhino District, did you hear? Uh, uh, Rhino. Did 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 you hear about uh, Hido? Like, there's a new neighborhood opening up called Hido. It's like there's Lodo and then there's Hido. Hido. A bunch of people. It's like it's brand new. It's like nothing ever existed there before, right? It's, there's a, it's a brand yeah. new part of town. It's a brand new place. Just plopped it right in place. It didn't even exist in this dimension and physical reality. There's a girl that I work with named Sophia, and we call, call her Sophie for short, but I call her Sofi. 
and I like to pretend that she's like a neighborhood. I'm like, oh, have you gotten there? Have you been to that new place in SoFi? No, where's SoFi? It's right in between Hido and Lodo next to Rhino. SoFi. TheNugNation.com. <laughs> Go to TheNugNation.com to see much of the work by Mr. Jamie Jorgensen here. You can see the video we do with Billy Ray Cyrus. You can see some of the uh, animated features we've done. You can see uh, the interview with Afro Man. That's one that Jamie did. What else have you done for the Nug Nation, Jamie? Uh, I mean, we're starting to pick steam, pick up steam right now. So hopefully, yeah, we'll, we're working we'll have on some the new stuff here with uh, hemp history. Uh, some hemp history, hemp one hundred and one, um, and then we're finally going to finish. Uh, hopefully we can get the where for art cow. Yeah, hopefully we can get that done. Um, I can't wait to see that, dude. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's one that's just been like in limbo. Sometimes just stuff goes in limbo to yeah. get it done, and it seems to come out of limbo exactly when it needs to. It's like it's like I learned things during that limbo period that helped this become what it needed to be. So it's a good thing that those setbacks, those delays, were there. Uh, anyway, check out all the stuff that the Nug Nation has been making and uh, stay tuned for all the stuff that's getting ready to come out of the workshop. I also noticed when I was looking at thenugnation.com that there's apparel available. There is apparel available. There's a lot of different characters. Yeah, man. Available Actually, on, on men's and women's cuts of t-shirts. Dude, the Nug, and, and, the Nug Nation and merch is and all cool. all kinds of shit. We did it's some amazing. collabs with Chieftain. The stuff we did with Chieftain is really cool. We got some hip apparel, man. Go to thenugnation.com. Buy a t-shirt. Help us keep the lights on. Best homegrown keep comedy keep in years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Get me employed. Get me employed. Right now, they're paying wanna, me in podcast episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Evergroove Studio in Evergreen, Colorado. State of the art recording studio with a man they just did a brand new remodel they're up in the mountains and evergreen it's fucking beautiful and we're gonna have those guys on the show next week and ethan klein is bringing us a piece of equipment to play with so if all goes well we're gonna have a live stream um so we've got a single a double single and a motion comic that are making a premiere this week that uh we that is in large part is um, developed thanks to the folks at Evergroove Studio. They did produce the uh, the songs "Making a Killing" and "You Only Live Forever." Um, and in honor, in celebration of the premiere, we're going to have Brad and uh, Brad Smalling and Ethan Cotel from Evergroove on here next week. Ethan Klein's going to be in here helping out with the live stream, and we're going to do a live listen to the new master. We're going to watch the motion comic. We're going to stream it on YouTube. Uh, and we're going to talk about the process. And we're going to talk about the recording business a little bit. So I'm really excited about that. Maybe That's Brad. Fun one. Well, dude, and maybe Brad can shed some light on, you know, how you're able to make it work with the limited, uh, with the li- limited margins that we have and limited budgets. Like how you're able to make amazing records on a budget. So uh, I'm really excited to have that discussion. So Evergroove Studio, go to evergroove.com and check them out. Uh, and last but most, big shout out to the the honorable souls who back us 
via a small recurrent contribution on patreon.com slash mfruckus. You guys make the goddamn world go round. It's because of you we were able to make our motion comic. It's because of you we're able to go into the studio. It's because of you we're able to do this podcast. It's because of you we're able to make music videos, fly Tony in for gigs, and uh, go on tour and all the other crap that we do. Thank you so much, guys. If you'd like to learn more and find out how you can help us keep making cool shit, go to patreon.com slash mfruckus. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash mfruckus. Check it out. All right. Now, as promised, Jamie, <laughs> because we went we went on a massive tangent because there's just so much to talk about, man. And, and first of all, I appreciate you coming on and hanging out. Yeah. We've been wanting to have you on for a while and... And you're the first animator we've had on, so it's really cool to, like, get this, like, be able to delve into this kind of world of art that maybe a lot of people aren't familiar with. Uh, I want to hear more about the Top Gun parody. Like, we, we, went, we went in a <laughs> ton of weird directions, and I, I want you to tell me what it's about. Right. Um, yeah, so it's just been kind of a, a collaboration of ideas that I've had kind of for a while now, like... Uh, you know, being in the Navy, and then of course, just uh, you know, because that was the main thing that inspired it, right? Was was a little bit of the Navy, Navy, and then you know, just uh, you know, yeah, uh, seeing some of the stuff, poking fun at stuff. I always like to have fun with, uh, you know, y- you see these Hollywood movies like Top Gun, and there's so much funny and and bullshit things that come out of it because it is Hollywood. It's not right truthful. So, uh, yeah, so I've been just kind of working on this this little short when I saw the new Maverick come out. Right. And, you know, the first thing I noticed was, I think he's a, he's a captain. And, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, in the first one, he was a lieutenant. Well, in that 30-something year span, it's like you only jumped, uh, I think it was like three, three, four uh, ranks. Right. That's that's terrible. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so you had to, like, explain that in the back of the story? So, yeah, so I kind of, like, started writing the story based on that. And uh, it's it's one of those things where uh, you kind of just pick and choose what what you like about, you know, the first movie. Okay, um, you know, he kind of was this renegade pilot. So I kind of started from there going, okay, well, what, what, uh, what did he continue to do? So why is he only a captain in the, in the new one 30 years later? And it's like, okay, well, what's he doing now? Well, he's still in the Navy, but he's... He's, you know, he's flying a, a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. <laughs> and it's like one of those things from the first film where it's like, you know, you screw up like, he, you know, he gets, he's getting his ass chewed and it's like, you screw up so much as this and uh, you'll be, you know, flying a, a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit. So I'm going to do that. And uh, I, <laughs> he's, uh, he's kind of doing that and he's waiting to kind of get back into the, you know, the, the, the extreme life of a, a uh, of top, a renegade of a, jet pilot. Yeah, a renegade uh, jet fighter. A maverick, a if maverick, you will. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, built it on that. And then it's like, well, what else are they going to do in this in this uh, second movie? You know, like, so I'm kind of trying to predict my kind of chain of events. And then it, it's kind of going to be fun to see what comes of the new movie and see if I get anything factual or, you know, in there. So basically, the story is is you know he's he's in Hong Kong. He's waiting to fly his his mission. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Apocalypse Now. Oh yeah. yeah. So that I was going to mention. <laughs> so the, uh, there's a, a scene in that too where basically 
I'm I'm spoofing that whole first scene. And uh, the like, the like Martin Sheen, where he's naked a, and drunk yeah, in the hotel yeah. room. So I'm gonna do that. Um, and, the like uh, voiceover narration thing, right? And he's gonna kind of be, he's gonna be himself getting drunk, um, you know, wanting to be back into the the pilot seat. And uh, instead of you know, it's like Martin Sheen punches the mirror. Instead of you know Tom Cruise doing that or Maverick, uh, uh, he's gonna be risky business. Slides in. Do a little couple karate kicks, uh, and then his dick's going to fall out. Uh, <laughs> What's hilarious is you said his dick's going to fall out right at the moment you hit the microphone. And people won't be able to see this, but the microphone did this little like... It was great. It rattled, it rattled perfectly from side to side. Continue. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, without any... There, there's always got to be dick talk with any Navy story, I guess. Yeah, and any episode of this podcast. So, <laughs> so it works out. Uh, so he's going to do that. He's going to look down, and uh, he's going to just kind of start heloing, you know, or, or, or gyroing his, his, his waist, you know, start getting the, the, the helicopter of the dick, and he's going to get lift. And he's just going to be, he's gonna be you know, uh, flying in the sky there in his room, and then, of course, uh, you know, he's going to get too close to the fan, and he's like, ah, oh, shit, I'm in his jet wash. And he gets out of control, and he crashes into the mirror. <laughs> Uh, then we'll then we'll cut to that cut that scene and uh, the next would be him going to his his cargo plane, which uh, I kind of came up with the what would you name you know you know like the old World War II planes they'd you know name their jets and they what put, would you name the rubber rubber dog shit plane <clears throat> yeah so they you know and then of course they have all the, the what nice, is the name of the rubber dog shit plane? they have all the nice uh, um, uh, pin art right you know, right on right. there so it's going to be the admiral's daughter. <laughs> So again, <laughs> a little homage to the first movie. Uh, so his, his jets that uh, as he's getting it kind of ready, um, uh, Iceman's going to come in, which I kind of named him Iceberg or Ice Ice Chunk. I haven't really kind of nailed like that, on right, it, right. but uh, you know, so he's going to come in. He's going to be like, you know, hey, what's up? And they're going to kind of get the you know recant and 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 see what each other's been up to, uh, basically refly with each other and uh you know take this rubber dog shit back home uh from there it's kind of wishy-washy i'm trying to figure out how i'm going to accomplish a lot of this since it's on you know my own budget right 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 so trying to find and how you're going to squeeze a a full (laughs) like uh, like what three act story into 15 minutes right yeah right uh so you know i'm trying to find this conflict and how they're going to overcome it and so right now i kind of have the idea that basically korea north korea is going to you know, come try to bomb us, uh, right? And, and since it's on a budget, my my creative thinking is, uh, you know, Korea is you know in the dark. You know, they have no power, so it's like I'm not going to show anything. You'll just hear dialogue of you know, <laughs> it's just pitch black. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna go get those stupid Americans. They don't know that we have uh, this this secret technology or whatever. And, and like they uh, keep running into stuff, like they keep banging their shins on like right. coffee tables in the war room, right? Uh, you know, so then we basically we just kind of cut back. We know they're coming to bomb us. We get back to uh, Maverick and, and uh, Iceberg, kind of flying, and you know, because then Maverick pulls out his baggie. You know, I feel the need, the need for speed, and he just kind of just takes this big old snort, <laughs> and uh, he, you know, he kind of goes back in time thinking he's flying this jet fighter and 
he goes to push the button and out comes the, the rubber dog shit out of the, the cargo bay. And it foils the North Koreans. It fods out their engines. They all crash. and the, Saved by rubber dog shit. The story ends with, you know, kind of a newscast of, you know, oh, the heroes have returned and, you know, they're, you know, they have no idea. They're un- unbeknowing. You know, they just kind of fucked up and saved the day. Right, right, you right. Know, and right. And it, the hapless hero. Right. So then they, they kind of go from there and, you know, it's like, ah, oh, what do you want to do? You know, it's, it's like, ah, oh, I want to go back to Top Gun or, you know, something like that. Right, right, so, right. It's still kind of definitely one of those on again, off again, rewrites. You Do know, you think you'll I be able to get it, it done in time for the movie? Before June? I, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I keep plugging away. Like I said, I'm still working on the on Maverick, just one puppet. Have you storyboarded and, it all out yet? Uh, I got about half of it done. I, I did see you did some of the uh, you did some of the like animatics for it, right? right. Like, yeah. So you've, yeah, you've got it storyboarded like about halfway out. About halfway, um, and I think that's probably to the point where uh, you know that's. I mean, that's still plenty of work. You know, because you got to figure. I got to make the bedroom set. I got to right. make a, that set, and you got to make it kind of look a, like. <clears throat> You had to kind of make it look like Apocalypse Now so that people would get the reference. Right. And so, you know, I've, yeah, I've designed the, the room kind of this, basing it all off that. You so know. what what are your, what's your, like, long-term vision for this? Like, what are, you, what are you hoping to accomplish through creating this? Besides just making something really fun. Right. Because what you're trying to do, like, what it sounds like a big part of what you're trying to do is actually, like, satirize the discrepancies between real life, like, real Navy life actual factual navy life and the way it was portrayed in top gun and right. and the way that you're thinking it's going to be portrayed in in the new movie like you're you're going to be guessing a lot about how the the new movie's going to be done right? yeah so i mean i definitely always liked comedy you know it's always fun even just to watch the old hot shots or hot shots part oh movie. yeah i was thinking about that while you were talking you know so it's like some of that stuff is even you know watching that stuff is you know, I just like the the, the Hambone slapstick, Top Gun, or uh, Ferrelli uh, Brothers. Yeah, oh yeah. I or um, uh, what? Who were the ones who did uh, Airplane and and the the Zucker Brothers? Zucker Brothers. Zucker yeah. Brothers. Yeah. 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 Uh, Man, no. can you imagine if the Zucker Brothers tried to do stuff today? Like if they tried to make a movie like Kentucky Fried Movie today. They'd be, dude. They'd be beaten to oh, death. Oh God! In the even even uh, even like uh, blazing saddles. Yeah, the shit that came out of Mel Brooks's mouth. Then you. Would uh, never... You know what though? You know what though? I think <clears throat> we're starting to see a backlash with the overwokeness with regard to uh, to those films. Because I saw something recently that was basically a completely tone deaf woke blogger lady wrote a review on Blazing Saddles and it ended up getting just massively m- mocked like like people like it got shared all over the place it's like the, just the like, pitchfork sunday review of Blazing Saddles yeah yeah and it, dude even i can't even remember i, I want to say it was like it was on medium or something like that and it was just you could almost hear this girl's voice when when writing when you read the review you can almost hear just like all these people told me just like what a like comedy masterpiece it was and uh uh-uh, uh no this thing was awful this is a terrible movie and like you can tell she has no idea that it was written by Richard Pryor and like she probably doesn't even know who Richard Pryor is and I I, I First really mistake. don't yeah well I don't even think that that's 
that would that's an unfair conclusion. But like it had I think even Mel Brooks himself has said that a movie like Blazing Saddles could not be made today. And like people that were on All in the Family have said that like a show like All in the Family could not be made today. Oh, but absolutely not. Yeah. I think the fact that that conversation has come out, people who are legitimate fans of those people's art are going, no, wait a minute. Okay. Like. Here is the here is why Blazing Saddles is smart. Here is why it is culturally poignant. Here are the issues that it addresses. It's like this isn't just being offensive for the sake of being offensive. This is saying something. And if you're attacking this film, you are wildly off base. Like I think that that conversation is starting to happen now and we're seeing a I, I heard this really awesome lecture today that was talking about the importance of arguing. You know, the important it, it is important. Yeah, just like the way that the way that the left and the right play off each other to stabilize the system is only made possible through arguing, and that's why freedom of speech is so important. It's because people need to argue with each other, even if their arguments are horrible. You know what I mean? They need to be able to have those arguments with each other so the rest of us watching the argument can go, okay, like what he's saying, like what she's saying. I, I didn't really, oh, really didn't like what that, what that guy said. What's his name? Ted Nugent? Okay. <laughs> I really don't like what Ted Nugent said, but awesome guitar player, by the way, but that's another story. Anyway, like really like what he says, really like what she says. Okay, I'm going to form my opinion kind of as an amalgam of these parts of their position. Okay, there we go. You know, and I I think we're starting to see that emerge with regard to quote unquote offensive works, offensive content, things that we might say, you know, oh that definitely couldn't get made today. Like it's like no, it it couldn't get made like that today, but it still has value as a as a piece of social commentary. There's things that they made in the 70s that they couldn't have made in the 50s. Yeah, exactly. Or vice versa. I mean, you know, whatever. Like the cartoons that they made in the 50s. You know, yowza. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So what what is like what is your what is your ultimate goal as far as as finishing this? Like, what do you what do you want this to allow you to do? What do you want this to get for you? What do you want the Um, result to be? You know, I mean, I think still, like, I just want to make a a good portfolio piece. I want, um, that's the main thing is a big port is a good portfolio portfolio piece for, for people like, uh, bigger studios. You know, I mean, like there is still a a part of me that, you know, wants to be able to have the opportunity to work for a big, you know, known movie studio and, and be able to say, you know, there's my credits or right. my name in the credits. I, you know, I, you know, I want to see that still. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's just me, you know, somewhat playing God. You know, like it's my creation. Right, right. I want to be able to just. That's what I want to do is just create. And and uh, I think you know, uh, I always had kind of the mentality that you know, yeah, I have a pretty fucked up sense of humor, or I think differently. But you know, I can't be the only one. Right. You know, and some people are going to find some stuff funny. Some people won't. Again, it, it goes back to it, but it's like you have to, I think, you just have to be open. Right. And you have to, you just have to kind of take in that it's a fucking cartoon. Well, I also, <laughs> you know, I like, also think that when it comes to <clears throat> things being funny, 
things almost aren't funny unless there is that risk of failure involved with it. You know, unless there is a risk of someone really not thinking it's funny. Like, that's why, like, you'll hear a comic say something and they'll make you, like, piss your pants laughing. Right. Is because there is the possibility of failure. Like, we had Matt Kobos on here, and he was talking about that bit about... uh yeah, he had he had that bit that he wrote after his dad died that was like was like I have a dad bod, not like me. It's in an urn. <laughs> yeah. Like he had that joke. Yeah. Like you tell that joke, it makes people laugh so hard because there's a risk of it being like, ew, that's dark. No, I don't like that. That's not funny at all. Like so, you kind of have to make stuff that runs the risk of and some people annoying it. people or making people cringe. Man, or, some people make it, some people don't. I mean, I think that's that's another thing that sucks right now is all the whole you know apologize, apologize for your thinking and actions. And right, like, right. I don't know how many. Uh, I can't put the name on the comedian now, but you know they made a joke and okay, it was might have you know to some standards it might have been. Uh, bad taste or, or wrong timing. Mm-hmm. But, well, that's you know, happened to a lot. That's happened to a lot of. Well, yeah, recently. but I think you know it's like you know you can't you know uh, you can't say you can't do that you know or you can't expect people to be like well you know apologize for your actions. It's like no, you know that's those are my actions. I'm not going to apologize for something that you know I I tried risking. Right. And seeing, you know, especially if, if, if your goes, job is to professionally take risks. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's just there is those things where it's like people take either take things too seriously or it's like, why, you know, if, if, if it's right. not your cup of tea, why drink it? I was, <laughs> right. <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, um, I was thinking recently of like, of the, the, the argument side of things and how important it is, but how it's also like, I feel like I'm missing out on so many interesting conversations that are going on in public forums simply because of the fact that, like, it's like, oh, man, I have some thoughts on this discussion that's going on, but I really don't want to invest an entire day in arguing with people. So instead, I'm just going to say nothing. And I wonder how many truly enlightening perspectives we are missing out on as a society by that those same mechanics of people who are kind of have kind of just gone okay i had fun with these platforms in the beginning but i'm out now you know i just like you you post a lot opinion wise do you feel like, and you said you've been kind of stepping back from that? Yeah, actually, I don't really post anything anymore on Facebook. Yeah, at, at all. Like, yeah, it's such an investment. At, dude. If you look at my page, it's literally Joshua Finley posting cat memes. Yeah, and videos and, and, and videos. Stuff like, that. like it's literally just a stream of that shit, and then I'll do band promotion every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. You're active on Twitter, though, right? Oh yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I mouth off on Twitter all the time. Yeah, that's just because nobody's listening. <laughs> they aren't are they no they're not it's it's great it's fun you it's can like, say whatever you want I can, on twitter. I can really vent on on twitter which is what i used to do on facebook and nobody's gonna see it and nobody's gonna see it and so it's kind of like my own little journal of like wow what a little bitch i am 
I kind of like looking back at that stuff. <laughs> what a little bitch I am. Seriously, it's, it's it's weird. It's it's kind of a weird thing, but it's almost like a, I consider it kind of like a little journal. Right. You know, of like thoughts that I have every other day or so. And, it's like, so- and like literally like no one is fa- paying right. any fucking attention. Like it's fine. See, that's what it's I good. use this podcast for. But what I run into is I'm a better writer than I am a spontaneous speaker. So a lot of times I'll have ideas in my brain and I can see the point I'm trying to make, but on my journey trying to explain it in real time, I can lose people and they go, what the fuck are you trying to say here, dude? Like, what is it that's like, I'll think something. Keep your eye on the ball, buddy. Well, no, I'll think something. (laughs) I'll say something. I like, I will think something, and in my brain, I can see the entire context. I can see, like, all the tangential asides. That lead, like, I can see the full structure of the formed thought. But then when I say it, right. all people are hearing is that chunk of the thought and not all the things around it that make it make sense. When I write, I feel like I can explain things a little better. But what I like about the podcast is... It allows me to be able to talk about stuff and try these ideas out and have a conversation with a couple people with whom we might have varying degrees of agreement and varying degrees of thought and kind of toss ideas and work around and go, uh, and kind of work through ideas without inviting. Well, that's, that's the thing is like, I, I find myself, if I, if I am on Facebook, which every now and then I am and I, and I see like an argument taking place and there's a comment thread that's just fucking, you know, endless, I can always just be like, Oh, I like that point that that guy made. I'll like that. Right, right, right. That's right. exactly what I would have said. I'll like that. Right. That, that's as involved as I get. But, but participating in the or I, I went and I did this rant. And I'll post it, and I'll be like, man, I'm going to take that down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just don't want to, like, there's there's plenty of stuff where it's just like, I don't want to get caught up in this endless battle of of nonsense or... I've written so many posts that I have immediately backspace, backspace, backspace. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, and so much, so much, the people who are going to post reactive responses and arguments aren't taking into account is... And, and what gets me to delete anything that I start writing out is in order to get someone to understand your point, you not only have to explain yourself, but you almost have to get them to read the same stuff that you read or, or study the same source material that you, that you studied. You know what I mean? Like... If a scientist makes an argument with someone with a certain ideology on social media, the person in the, on the one side of the argument is only arguing based upon their own ideology. They don't have the long history of research and understa- uh, understanding and information gathering that that other person has. I want to say that's a big thing nowadays that a lot of people are just emitting. They're not doing their own research. They're just listening to what the person that they feel that Right. Resonates with them on their comment and their why, you know, uh, uh, what's a touchy subject that some people, like my sister, anti-vaxxer. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I don't even want to jump into it because it's just like, hey, I don't want to, you know, piss off her. 
She has her opinion. Well, and I don't but... have the time to go get a bunch of source material to cite. <clears throat> right. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the main thing is it's like, it's like, listen, I've formed my opinion because people who knew what they were talking about made a good argument and I accepted their argument. I don't have the time to go gather all the data from their argument and present it to you. Yeah, I'm not, you know, yeah. If it's you know what I mean? That's, that's uh, meaningful yes. or... It's like, no, I used to, even even in, in, in topics where it's like, no, I used to share your perspective, but then I read these things or I heard these things or, or you know, I, I expanded my knowledge in some way, but I don't explain it as well as they do. I don't know all the data that they do. I don't have all the points memorized that they do, and I don't have the time to go through that content, gather the points that resonated with me right. and present them to you in a concise manner which will also make sense to you. I just don't have the time to do it. So getting in the argument at all just seems like a fool's errand. Exactly. Well, there's I mean there's there's a lot of arguing for arguing's sake going on right now. Oh yeah. Instead of arguing just to understand things better. Right. You know what I mean or discussion I should say. Lively discussion is different than arguing. Right. Like, I would rather have a lively discussion about anything, you know, than argue. I would like, yeah, I mean, that's the one thing, too. Yeah, I'd just like to see, like, okay, I understand your point. You know, do you understand mine? You know, like, I don't like arguing with the people that are just going to go, nope, nope, nope. You know, and then they don't even give you the time of day when you're going, okay, well, I see this, but... You know, but mo- I feel like a lot of people don't have that. You know, yeah, right? same thing with your your comment, Aaron, where it's just like kind of perfect, where it's like, yeah, I could do all this work and all this research for my knowledge, but I even if I presented saw, a know, perfect I, I am, case, there's right. no guarantee that there's it a would... lot of one way dead end streets out there. Man. Oh yeah, <laughs> man, it's like, well, that's all bullshit. How do you know? Yeah. How do you know? What about this thing that I read? And it's like, fuck, man. When it comes down to it, you just believe what you believe, you know, ultimately. Until you don't believe it anymore. Until you don't believe anymore, exactly. Right. I've been working recently on the concept of little eye identity, thinking less about my big eye identity, like who I am, you know, what makes me who I am, what I believe, what I think about the world, what's important to me, what I like, what I don't like, what sucks, what's like, instead of thinking of those like egoic concepts of identity, I'm trying to focus on this little I identity thing, which is like, like really I don't, the only knowledge I have of the nature of existence in general is, is experiential, you know, I have... I have a hand, you know, I have a bunch of memories and experiences, some of which I can't even consciously recall. And like things I like happened when I was a baby and I, dude, like my infant son, like he's not going to remember anything that's going on right now in his life, but it's shaping him all the same, you know, trying to, trying to look at this little eye identity thing where it's like, "Ah, I'm... You know, I'm here and I'm doing the best I can and I know the things that I'm drawn to and and I know my habits and my idiosyncrasies and my my tendencies and, and things like that, but I really can only know myself so much. And well and and another thing uh with regard to online arguments is you see so much stuff where people are deliberately 
posting stuff that is affiliated with their identity and with their ideology for the sole purpose of getting some kind of dopamine hit when people reply and agree with them or or put likes or hearts or laughs or well, there's that that basic i think i've mentioned this before but that basic tentative behaviorism that you know you're either trying you're, you're trying to get attention you're trying to get attention to uh to obtain something or to avoid something generally notice me you know, you know help me help me feel like i have significance and meaning and you know once you can kind of see that going on and especially in social media it's just like okay you know we're all looking for attention in our own particular way you know it's just what kind of attention are we looking for and why you know what are we right. looking to gain from this what are we looking to avoid from doing this there's right. some people that are avoiding other parts of their life by spending more time arguing with other people online <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So they're getting some kind of reward out of that situation. Well, they get you know, to like, they get to get their gang together. Yeah. They get to go, hey, let's get the gang together. Hey, we all agree with each other, right? All right, gang. Let's pile up on this person that that has <laughs> beliefs that are different than us. Let's just let's pile on this person and they gross us out. I'm gonna tag like, Randy and Roy in this post and we're just gonna get on oh, here and yeah. just eviscerate you, man. Just like, hey, Larry, can you believe this guy? Hey Tina, check out this guy. Ugh, die in a fire. Blah 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 blah. Wow. <laughs> you know. Yep. Yep. Pretty much just summed up social media right there. Yeah. Just, hey, you know how we were trying to see how many episodes we could go without mentioning the billy ray cyrus video we didn't we uh, broke our streak yeah. but i wonder what our streak is for episodes where we complain for social uh, complain about social media in any form that is ever present i, I think believe. we complain about social media on every single episode and then turn around and post this on every single possible oh, platform you got to spread the advertising feces as far and as wide Smear as, you, as you can smear yeah. it that's the other kind of attention you're trying to get there Gordo, I am really happy you're back. By the way, I haven't said that enough, but I'm, I'm really I'm, happy, I'm happy you're to back. be back. It's really like I miss, I miss this. This is our show, here. man. This is our show, and I love having you here. And I love, I love having your feedback. And and you know, there are a lot of things we agree on, but I like to think that it's not just you and I sitting around and agreeing with each other. Like I learn a lot from talking with you and our guests, and likewise, and yeah, and I walk away with i like to think a better understanding of people every time we do one of these things because i've sat down and i've had a conversation with a different person with a different experience but also shared it with you you know what i mean so there's like this third person i get to watch it behind glass yeah yeah (laughs) dude i wonder if we'll ever have an episode that goes off the rails i actually um Let's try for it. So, yeah, right. Somebody asked me that recently. That'll get a lot of attention. <laughs> I can't, Yeah, it will get tons of attention. <laughs> dude, and, and, and at the end of the day, dude, that is... We talked earlier in the episode about the, the fears of when you, you release something. And at the end of the day, it's a feeling of, of missed attention. It's a feeling of, of disproportionately low amounts of attention it's like oh i created this thing and i'm so proud of it i just hope people love it as much as i do but that yeah that's the thing that going back to the earlier point though is like 
the longer something is out there, the more chance it has to affect right. people. And like, whether that's, you know, visual or, you know, sonic or wh- whatever it is, like, you know, the, if it's the, the longer it's out there, the more chance it has to be absorbed and people can kind of say, Hey, I really like this thing. Have you seen this thing or heard this thing or whatever, you know, like maybe they'll come out to a show or they'll, you know, they'll watch a video or whatever it is. And I think that's super cool. Just, just to have it out there is pretty cool. Where even 50 years from now, you'll be able to go, you will go, oh, yeah, I, uh, I was in this band called Granny Tweed. And they'll be like, you're a liar, Grandpa. I'll be like, go online right now, you little fucking prick. It's a, look it up. It's a name that's becoming more appropriate by the minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll go look it up and they'll be like, oh, my God. Did you see that Grandpa was in, like, for years in this, like, he traveled around in, in like, this rock and roll surf punk rock band called Granny Tweed. Dude, they've got albums out. This is stuff that Grandpa wrote. You know, like, it's out there. And that is amazing. And you think about something like like a band like Thin Lizzy, right? Which was like tragically underappreciated in their time in the US. I would say in other countries they probably got they I don't think there was any shortage of rock star treatment for old Phil Linnett. But they were definitely underappreciated here in the US. And then 20 years, 30 years after Phil Linnett's death, all of a sudden, like all these hip kids start discovering Thin Lizzy again. And it becomes cool to like Thin Lizzy. And it creates the demand for like black star writers to be created so that the former bandmates can still travel around and play Thin Lizzy songs. You know what I mean? Like Rose Tattoo is coming through this year and we get to open for them. And like Rose Tattoo is so obscure on the large, larger scale. But because there's been a demand of, like, hip kids who have discovered Rose Tattoo, there's a demand for it. It's like a, it's like a pentagram effect. A pentagram All, effect. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you can waste away in your sub-basement for, you know, what, 30, 30 years or so. And then they release that first album. It's, it's essentially a bunch of demos, right? And that but little boy grew fucking... up to be Bobby Liebling. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, yeah. It's it's a weird, it's a weird kind of story, but like, I don't know. I like that. I like that album. Can like you imagine songs. if a crackhead from your neighborhood all of a sudden, like a documentary crew, started following them around, and then next thing you know, it's like, dude, did you know that Larry down the street? You mean crackhead Larry? Yeah, crackhead Larry down the street, the guy who like keeps his hands warm with my dog shit after we walk by his house, crackhead Larry. Dude, did you know he used to be in this fucking metal band that I guess was like on their way up in the 70s and it just didn't work out? Some documentary crew went and did a thing and now he's going to go on a world tour and there's like thousands of people going to see Crackhead Larry do a show. What's even better is if Crackhead Larry was never in a band, but he somehow scraped together to put together one song in a studio and did it and became a fucking millionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So be Crackhead Larry. That's the... Be Crackhead Larry. Yeah. Channel your inner Crackhead Larry. That's that's probably the thesis for this episode. Good times. <laughs> Good times. Well, shit, man. Uh, I, th- I think we can call it there. It, it, Jamie, it was really awesome getting to sit down and talk with you, learn more about you, man. And, like, uh, you know, we don't get to talk like this very much, so it's very yeah, cool, Yeah, no, I know. It's, like, it's, it's nice cool. seeing a little bit more uh, lifeblood here at Nug Nation. And, uh, I mean, because I know we've planned it before, and it was just like... 
ah, I gotta, you know, I gotta head up or I gotta do this or, you know, it's just like timing was always kind of rough. I and like that. I like that we're starting to live <clears throat> in the studio more. Yeah, there's, uh, there's I mean, stuff starting to happen here. You yeah, know? once we once we kind of get flowing, it's uh, definitely gonna be fun to just. I mean, it's but it's been you know fun seeing that. I was I was actually thinking of the uh, kind of the start where you know you were you know doing uh, the the voiceovers and the, I, I think I don't know when did you start your podcast I, back in the, with so the old studio. The original podcast we in the did boom closet. Well, <laughs> the original podcast we did with an iPhone in the middle of Tony's one of Tony's rooms at his house here in Denver. But the first ones we did at Nug Nation, yeah, we would do them in like in like the little tiny like swelter box that we did voiceovers in over there at um, uh, on top of uh, Ink Monster. Yeah. You know, and still just did it on an iPhone most of the time or like plugged a couple mics into one of those digital recorders and a huge learning curve, you know. Um but it's been fun to see, like, I mean, just in those four years, uh, just, you know, it's, it's you know, We're ba- doing it's something. been baby steps, but it's like, you, in the grand scheme, you look back and you go, wow, like, you know, before I came over and, and the, what what uh, Mikey and them were doing with the, the characters, it's like, oh, you got something here, but like, let's change this or let's do that. Right, right. And it's like, now we have, you know, a th- some of our characters being 3D printed and it's you know, cool, it's man. It's being a little more more streamlined and a little bit more uh, refined looking. Well, and getting people to come tour the studio and like, anytime we get a guest on here, you're the first guest I haven't had to give a tour to. <laughs> so every time I have a guest come in, we give them the tour. Or like when we had Ritz in here for the the potty talk we did with Ritz, right? Like to have him tell me, dude, you're really good at what you do. You know that was very validating. You know, or to have him like post on his social media, be like, just did a badass interview over the Nug Nation. Keep an eye on these guys. They're doing awesome stuff. Like that is, that is very validating. Right. You know what I mean? And it's, it is, it's, you know, it still goes back to just kind of what we were saying. Just like, you know, you, you still, you put some of this stuff out. Right. And, you know, yes, you know, you hope that the everyday Joe that you don't even know likes it or even your family likes it. But then once in a while, you do get this, you know, big it's uh, not, person it's, that kind of just appreciates right. where you're coming from. And then, you know, you, you kind of just, you get a little bit more ahead, you, you know, like, right. and, you know, and that's, I guess, just the, the art life. I think we need to lose the notion of the, the one thing that is going to happen, you know, because it's not one thing. You know, if oh, you're yeah. if you're lucky, you write an amazing song. And, but even like you know, someone like Nathaniel Rateliff, like son of a bitch, wasn't the one thing that he wrote. Dude, that guy has had a career for a long, long, exactly long, exactly. long time. Yeah, he's done a lot of shit that did not work, and honed his craft and got better and better and better and better and better and, better and and made connections and struck deals and things like that and happened to write a hit song. But there was a lot that went into the construction of that one hit song. Yeah, and that's why, like you know, I guess going back on my. My question was, you know, like, what do I want out of this? And it's just like to just keep growing. Right. You know, you're, you're never going to become a master until you create, you know, do thousands of hours worth of practice. Well, mas- mastery, too, is or, asymptotic. Or, <clears throat> do you know what you know an asymptote is? Asymptote, yes. I'm familiar with that word. You know what an asymptote I, is? Asymptote. Yeah. It's a, an asymptote is, it's a trigonometry term, right? 
So in trigonometry, an asymptote is a curved line that approaches a straight line but never intersects. And mastery is like that. It's like you've got an ideal that you're always aiming for, uh. but no matter how much you approach that that line, that bar that you're shooting for, you're always going to fall a little bit short of it, no matter what, because the line will keep raising. Yeah. You know, the it's bar the event will, horizon. It's the event horizon, exactly. Right. You know, but uh, that's, you know, kind of what I like to do is like, I'm not giving, you know, I'm not giving up, you know, just cause, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't land the hit job right out of college or, you know, haven't been uh, picked up yet. doesn't mean I quit. Right. You know, like a lot, a lot of people, it's like, man, I, I didn't throw away, you know, and, and it, you could argue a lot of ways about college, but, uh, you know, I didn't put a hundred thousand dollars into an education for nothing. You know, I feel I'm, like the, the, the hierarchy has become more nuanced. I think I think there's a lot more grit, or I should say it's become much more graduated. You know, it's a little fuzzier to diagnose failure or success. You know, it's like it's like it's like, yeah, maybe, you know, if this was 1970s music business, I would, or 1970s Hollywood, I would feel like a failure because either you're in or you're out. But it's like, I am producing good shit, and some people are enjoying it, and I'm getting gigs, and there I'm, you go. I'm creating stuff. There it is. You know? You're doing the work. You're putting in the work. Yeah. You know, and you're doing what you, like, you, you, if, you're, if your goal is to, you know, live your life you know, in a creative way and, and to put things out there, you know, that are from your soul, then, you know, what better way is there to live? I don't know. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean, there's just those people that are like, oh, I expect it. And it's like, well, just well, cause you, just cause you there's, like, there's a doodle. lot of expectation because of our culture. It's like, it's oh, well, kind yeah. of this do or die. You, you know, like you're going to, you either going to hit this super weird, unattainable, huge, goal or is just going to be a failure these are the limited boundaries of what it means to succeed and if you are anywhere outside this circle of boundaries you are a failure that right. is i think kind of what is it, it's like there's some people at the top who have made it and then there's everybody else now it is true uh from a like in, in a Prado distribution sort of sense that there is a very, 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 very small fraction of people who are super successful and then there's everybody else and 80 to 90% of artists are everybody else but it's not like it was at one point where it was like if you are not in New York or Hollywood and working for a major studio or with a major record contract, then you are not even in the game. Like, it's like you can be an objective failure in those scenarios, or at least that that's kind of, I think, the meme that has been presented to people in that industry. And I think in the world we're in now, it's just simply not the case. And it's difficult for people to realize it because we're entering uncharted territory 
you know, we're entering uncharted territory in in terms of what is the real scalability of of art and 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 producing entertainment. Well, I just me personally, I don't ever want to get to a place where I'm not working on what I want to work on. Right. You know, that's that's where I'm at. Like, I, you know, whether I have some kind of uh, pie in the sky success is kind of beyond me at this point in my life. I just want to keep getting better at what I do. Mm-hmm. I have a buffer of to do lists that keep me in it because basically I make deals with myself where it's like when I have those days where I'm like, well, I want to quit. I just want to quit it all. I don't want to do it. It's like, man. It's a soul-crushing right. business we're in. I'll tell you what. I can quit after I finish this thing. And so I've got this big list of things that I need to finish. And by the time I get to the end of the thing that I need to finish before I can quit, three or four other things have already come up that are like, well, I got to do this gig. You know, or, re- or, I, or gotta, I gotta finish it this, or, you know, or like, reignited it, or led to something else that sustained me. But when I'm at my worst, I make the deal with myself that I have to finish what I've started at least. You know, I've got these ideas, I can execute these ideas, I'll finish what I've started, and if I get to the end of finishing what I started and I still want to quit, I'll quit then. But that's like a ways off. And I'd, I'd like that, and that's, and it, when I get into arguments with my, or not arguments, but my wife is very no nonsense about it. You know, she's just like, what are you going to do? Quit? We both know that's not going to happen. So <laughs> what are you going to do? You know? Exactly. Because early on, there's probably a time where she would have been okay with me quitting. She would have been like, hey, it'd be great to have you around. You really have to find, I mean, like, you really have to find something to feel good about and what you're doing every day, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that starts with spending a little less time online. For oh, sure. for <laughs> fucking sure, buddy. Yeah. It just sucks because that's one of the most accessible means of re- like seeing data on the stuff that you are putting out. Sure. And, sure, and it yeah. is soul crushing data, you know? So, you know, that's kind of why you've got to go, play the shows in front of physical people and you've got to go stand in front of, you know, the, the, the handful of people that really do appreciate what you're doing. You've got to go stand in front of them and get reminded that, you know, somebody gets it. Speaking of which, this is a terrible segue, but, uh, Jamie, do you have a homies track? Oh yeah, for, yeah, for yeah, 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 yeah. A one, one for the homies track. We close out every episode of the show with a one for the homies shout out. Thank you for remembering Gordo. Um, and actually Logan's brother Marshall hit me up last week and was like, you should start letting people know about the homies track, like at the beginning of the show so they can think of it. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll totally do that. And then forgot to do it. That's the smartest thing ever. Yeah, I know. Thank you for that suggestion. Yeah. Thanks Marshall. Thanks Marshall. I fucked it up again this week. (laughs) I like springing it on them. There there actually is, there's, there's kind of like five pointers that would be good before we start to be like, Hey, here's this, 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 and this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what you guys should do uh, before the end of the episode. Here's what you guys should do to have an episode that isn't total dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, bring on literally anyone else from the band to do the show. Number two, uh, no, um, yeah, so uh, before we get to that, where can people find you? Like, uh, what can Um, people look out for? Probably the most that I, I 
uh, stay up on is my Instagram handle. So dingus underscore tunes. Yeah, at dingus underscore tunes on Instagram, and you put up a bunch of like your just a lot your of test in, animations and test clips animations and in process works, final works. Um, you know that kind of stuff. Let's uh, make our music video. What's it going to take to make I our know, music video? I know. Well, like I said, the, the how much money do much, I have to give you to get that music much video the, done? The puppets are done. They just need to be. Uh, I think you know the heads need to be cast. We kind of just uh, dis, uh, realistically in front of God and everybody. What do you need to make that um, music video? Let's uh, just make the fucking thing. You know, right? Uh, you know, I'd say you know at least a few grand. Okay, a few grand. How much time? Again, we definitely need to nail down some uh, some specifics, but uh, you know, a few months. At a least. few months. Okay. So All right. A few grand in a few months. All um, right. Okay, I've got that in the back of my mind now. Now <laughs> I know. See, we should have had this discussion from the get go. Uh, okay, so Instagram, best place to find you. Also, yep. the You can see a ton of yeah, Jamie's work. Check out that. Uh, like Keep an said, eye out. What's the name? Coming up. What's the name of your uh, Top Gun uh, thing that you're doing? Um, I mean, it's, you don't have a name for it yet. No, nah, I think I got a uh, just like a, a Top Gun story, some something like that. Okay. Uh, Top Gun. 2. You don't want to get sued like, by by Tom Cruise. Yeah, right. I know. He'll I take even, a bite of your ass with that center tooth of his. <laughs> I know. I think with my sculpt, it's just one bar of teeth. So <laughs> uh, that's it, great. It's it's not even. Yeah, that was an animator joke. That was good. <laughs> I like it. It's like the Simpsons with four fingers, man. Uh, okay. Uh, so th- now the thing that we do every week is we bring a guest on the show and. We allow them to do a one for the homies shout out at the end where you can pick any band that has anything out there that we can find and we'll play one of their songs at the end of the episode while people are deciding what podcast they want to listen to next. Hmm. So if you were to give a one for the homies shout out, uh, what, what would be a band that you think deserves a little extra love? I don't know. I got a buddy, a local buddy, uh, 86B. I don't really know if he's got anything out. He's just kind of an underground... 86B? Yeah. 86B! 86B. He's kind of just like a punk punk rock folk singer, just, you know, trying to make his way in the Is art Is he on, like, too. SoundCloud or YouTube or anything? Uh, I think he actually did have a thing uh, out on Spotify, uh, I want to say. Um, All right. You know, but we he, are go- we're going to try and find him. Yeah, I mean, I just, he used to, I remember before I went to the Navy, you know, or actually I was in boot camp and they put together a, a bathtub session where they just had the old school tape recorder hit the, the play and record button on a, on a tape Yeah, and, and made me this, this uh, tape that I still have of just kind of a lot of his, his music and his, his things that he did. Um, 86B. Yeah. What's your friend's name? Uh, his name's Brian. 86B. Uh, uh, Jamie, thanks for coming and hanging out, man. Yeah, appreciate I appreciate it. you. I know it's been a long day because you've been here working at the studio and stuff. And, and uh, man, your work is awesome. And I appreciate everything you're doing for the Nug Nation. And Gordo, again, so glad you're back, man. Good to be back, man. Real thanks quick, for how, was, back. how was your tour? It was good and bad. It was like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's good. Yeah, yeah. It's still tour. <laughs> you know? It's still tour. Yeah. Yeah, man. There's highs, there's lows. Are you Lots super excited about games? Your, I'm glad you got to go see Tony Lee too. That's great. Yes, yes. 
That's really great. We got to play a show with the Blind Staggers. It was awesome. That's really. It was, cool, it was one of the one of the better shows of the tour for sure. Are you super excited about uh, about the new record? I am super excited. How's it being received? Is it getting? It's, is it getting good stuff? It's being received. Uh, it's being received. Yeah, yeah. People <laughs> people are technically receiving you, it because yeah, I put you it in actually their hand. took it out of the wrapper when I gave it to you. Yeah, uh, today. So well, that, I'm gonna listen. I, to I it like on the way, way that home. was received. I'm gonna listen to it on you the way. Home. You couldn't even wait. You're just like, I have to take this out of the plastic right now. Is it digital? too or is it just on cd uh it won't be digital for a while um the uh we had a little snafu with the record the record is supposed to be we were supposed to have the record for the tour of course that didn't happen because that's just what happens right so when we get the record you'll get the record too so when um where can people find apeshit mood ring right now they can find it at gordophonicrecords.com cool check it out man check it out i'm gonna listen to it on the way home yeah, give me your review next week. Yeah. Give me I, your unbiased review. Two words. Shit sandwich. <laughs> Is that a real review? Can I say that? That's two words. not real. <laughs> Shark sandwich. Shit sandwich. Uh... This has been episode 79 of the motherfucking podcast. Next week is episode 80. We're going to have Brad Smalling and Ethan Cotell in here. We're going to have Ethan Klein in here helping out. We're going to test out a piece of live streaming equipment. We're going to hook up cameras and stuff. We're uh, we're running some experiments, man. It's going to be pretty fucking cool. So, on behalf of everyone here on our crew, all the people behind the scenes, Larry, Crackhead Larry. Crackhead Larry. Grandpa, Charlie, hey, Dean. Merv. Merv. Larry. Well, I already said Larry. Carl. Frankenstein. Jude. Jude. Hey, Jude. He doesn't make the show bad. Uh, thank you for listening to episode 79 of the Motherfucking Podcast. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling a friend. We'll catch you next week. Keep your eyes out for chapter two, the front lines of Good Times motion comic, and the double single, Making a Killing and You Only Live Forever. And make sure you uh, go to our website and get tickets for our show with Rose Tattoo in May. I know it's a long ways off. But that show is definitely going to sell out. And who knows if Rose Tattoo will ever come here again. So check that out. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. See ya. Bye. Well, my light don't shine, but it used to sing. And it's nice to place my carpet and my tapestries. Well, life's a bitch. I'm sick of it. I'm telling everyone. Well, I'm wrapped inside my cell. I call my tongue. Cause even though you let me sing I cannot confide I'm so fucking happy I could die And the cold is getting to me And I could use a ride I'm so fucking happy I could die and Take a swim with me I'll show you everything and you could watch me sing just like it used to be I can write a song you could sing along And that I guess would be alright with me I'm carving through the pigeons in the parking lot and streets I'd take that chance again despite these dirty feet And I'm falling from your rooftop and it doesn't mean a thing And that I guess would be alright with me Cause even though you let me sing, I cannot confide Fucking happy I could die And it's hard to be so right With those bookshelves in your mind I'm so fucking happy I could die
Listening to a mutiny transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 